Warning! This show may include words and ideas that some people may find offensive. Opinions given in this show are those of the presenters. This may or may not be in line with the values of Roller Snakes. Sorry, not sorry, but really sorry. Or not. Right. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, whenever you're watching us. My name is Ford Brookfield for the second season of The Brain Drain Show. To my left is the ever-living, wonderful, ever-living, ever-living, ever li ne never-dying. <laughs> I'm dead. He's just had a prostate exam, over 40 prostate exam. It's Toby Batchelor <laughs> to the left, right here. And uh, Toby... I haven't. We were just talking about it. You probably should get one. Yeah, Toby's Ford, just... Ford offered it, but I have one maybe every, later. I have one every couple of days. Do you? Yeah. Yourself or whoever's around. Okay. I'm actually what, just around, just anyone. I'm due to have one today, so even right, you well, two could. Hopefully, our guest might be able to help you out with yeah. that because he's already offered. But I'm beyond the well. finger now. <laughs> I'm, I'm beyond the finger check. It's more of like a fish check. A fish you check. Know what I mean? A fish check. Yeah. So you um, comes out. So you, know, you can get those latex fists, can't you? That people use for fisting. The one that you ordered last week. Right, I just remember on one... It's not really a fist, though. It's more like a... It's like that. Be yeah. Before so we get into this, you want to introduce the guest before no, no, we wait. just jump no, straight no. into no. it. <laughs> because cause right now... Before we go down that fisting road. Right now, you can hear a load, load of fisting in the background, but it's just going to be on right, me and okay. so All right, so Let's the, introduce the special, The guest today is... Legendary, uh, fishing maniac. More, more fishing covers than skateboarding. It's Mark Munson. There we go. Thanks. Anyway, let's Good go back to, to the. Let's go give back us a little. Give us a little flex first. Flex. There we go. That's a magazine cover for you. Yeah. Essex through and through. What? I don't anyway, know magazine. But yeah. Can I talk to you about the fisting thing? Bodybuild just, yeah. Bodybuilders what, Monthly. When, we'll you haven't had any Bodybuilders Monthly no, covers. I'm nowhere near a bodybuilder. Trust no. me. Um, one of the first times ever I went into a sex shop. It was on. Here we go. It's one of those ones on the A1. Yeah. And the first thing you why walk... do you look around like you know the one? Well, because you yeah. know drive past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lot. That's what I'm saying. The A one is like shit independent service stations, and, and then, then a random and... section yeah. across it's from it's, it. It's I think I actually can't even miss know... it. It's for yeah. the truckers, isn't it? Yeah. You know, lonely truckers. Anyway, walked walked in there, and the first thing on display is like walk in, and there's like a, th a display cabinet, and it's this fucking enormous like f arm fist thing, and it was like mm. oversized, fucking like. Big. Anyway, I seen a massive dildo in Copenhagen that was in a glass cabinet and it was spinning with a light on it, it like the Fuckathon Five Thousand. It was just <laughs> <laughs> Fuckathon. We actually. So is that Co one that's from Fraser's specialized sex toy collection? Yeah. <coughs> yeah I bought. I you bought are? it for him. Custom made. Custom made. Yeah. Shit. So we was in. So I'm sure I'm sure he won't mind me telling this story. We was in Copenhagen Open, and we went past the sex shop, and you were we were like, "You got to buy a dildo." <laughs> you well, got first spend of your name would want you to do this. <laughs> the fuckathon five thousand. So, so we bought a dildo at Copenhagen Open, and we got like Aishad, Ali Balala, all these people to, it. to hold it like it was a microphone, <laughs> and it was in free mag. Like a free mag <coughs> Copenhagen open, you know, like the border around the article, it was all like, and the boys were there with just like a dildo. And in the, uh, in the hotel we were staying, we went up to the top floor, got as many people around the staircase going down to film, but not move the phone, just level. We dropped the dildo down and then edited it to that song where it's like, fly like an eagle. <laughs> and we laid a phone on its back with a camera pointing up and the dildo <coughs> hits on the floor 
and then spins round over the camera. I've got I've still got the video. I'll find it. Can we put that on this? Yeah, yeah you need to. Oh, it needs context. I'll find it. If before you can't you leave. find it, let's go and buy another dildo and let's recreate, recreate that. Yeah. Well, okay. we got some downstairs anyway. I think Fraser's got some in the trunk of his car. Right. This. So let's Munson. start the episode. No, no, no let's, let's get on with this. Okay. Right. So Munson. Uh, let's start beginning. When uh, when did you first start skating? And were you snowboarding before skating? No, skate, skate. skate. Uh, it took me a long time to even go snowboarding. I was refusing it. Um, How come? Just thought it was shite. I still do. Yeah, it's all, no. I'm still it, a bit lamed out by it. You, have you been? Yeah, once. Yeah, oh, when the mountains or on a dry slope. Uh, real one. Uh, <laughs> is that what uh, they call uh, them? A real one. Is that what? <laughs> What, a mountain or a, mountain, a real dry snow? A mountain in Finland. Oh, okay. Real snow, and it was shit. It's interesting, because my taxi driver was talking about that this morning. What, he said, Finland? He said, do you skate? I had a skateboard. I was like, yeah. He's like, do you snowboard? It was like mount, real mountains or false mountains. And what he meant was like purpose-designed courses or just what... Oh, like, uh, like a snow park. Because the conversation went from snowboarding to like, oh, I wouldn't ever do it because I've seen videos where people drop into holes when they wild... Snowboard. Yeah, it's, yeah, well, you I know, I started skating first. So, like, I yeah, I reckon it's like, I don't know, 86, so 86, 87. Um, but I like, sort of introduced to it before that, actually. But so, basically, I where we ended up having a ramp, like where I, where I grew up, like it was in Colchester, Essex. And my friend had a, a farm, or his granddad had a farm. And um, so loads of buildings on the farm, just random shit that wasn't really being used. So when we were like little, like sort of 12, 13, sort of hip hop, break dancing came. And then we used to break there. So we, I was a break dancer and into like electro, hip hop, whatever. That started there. And could at the same time, dance? yeah. Could you? Yeah. Could you do it now? Yeah, can I could do a backspin or some shit like can that. We do, can we film a backspin? We can try later. later. Can we get you <laughs> we can and try. I mean, I didn't come here for this, off. but like... Can we, we can get Smedley over then and do yeah, like... Yeah, uh, Smedley probably kills it better more than me. Like, yeah. I haven't done it for probably for a while. But yeah, so I was doing that, and at the same spot in the, on the farm, there was a quarter pipe for mm -hmm. BMX. So like really early, there were hardly any ramps, and they'd built a quarter pipe, so it's seven foot high. And, uh, but outside, so they, they just pedal down between these barns and then just do airs. And there was dudes come from all over, like bottom of London, South End, wherever, because there was no quarter pipe. So that was there. And then we had this little sort of, um, I guess it was like a piggery or something like that, small building, all in the dry. We painted up, sprayed it, lino, and we used to break in there. But then there was this thing outside. So it was a bit of a mix yeah, of that. Over, and yeah. then, so how I ended up really getting into skating was, uh, like Mash, my mate's brother, he came back with a Scootech. You know, like a, I remember, a, those, remember yeah. them, like a BMX wheel yeah, yeah. on a scooter, and he bought it from like a motorbike shop, and he was like, he used to be a BMXer, and he rocked up and he was like, look, I bought this thing, and we were like, what the hell, what is it? You know, he's like Scootech, and he'd like, do tail whip on it, like you couldn't do a tail whip at that time on a fucking bike, but like we were like, that's sick, so we all end up buying them, and then we were like, we've got this quarter pipe outside, and a flat bank, and we just we just basically bastardized this thing together, so it was a quarter pipe and a flat bank, and then like just wood in a barn uh literally got electrocuted trying to pull the light there was no lights in there so we just smashed the roof pulled the outside light in got whacked off the roof onto the flat you know and then we ended up with this sort of indoor setup that was sort of usable 
I've seen a load of, there's a load of fellas that come in here that skate around the same time. And when they show videos, it's always a quarter pipe flat with a bank. Yeah. It's yeah, never, yeah. it's well, never half a pipe's half really, pipe. no, they weren't. It's like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, a quarter pipe, bit of flat bottom with just like a line of ply on yeah. the concrete because it wasn't smooth, the flat, flat. And then a flat bank where you could roll in because no one was doing any lip tricks. They, didn't, they weren't really invented at that point. Yeah. Or they were, but you wouldn't really see them. And then, so that was built, or we sort of made that. And then um, we'd ride scooters, and then some dudes started skating it. Some, some other guys started rocking up, like just l randomly heard that there was a thing. And then from that, we saw skating, and the guys would come. Like, no one's really dropping in. It was before that. It was like seven foot, and it was vertical, so it was like a really tight tranny. And um, and then, uh, pretty sure the first video was like Animal Chin. Like once mm. someone rented Animal Chin, and I yeah, because you could rent we, them. From yeah, we rented them from then. the from the place where everyone bought the scooters, which mm. was like a, a motorbike shop. It was what the only year was Animal Chin? Was it around the same 86, time? 86, 87, Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. No, it's no, because like the Bones, 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 Bones show, Bones Brigade show. Yeah. I never Producer saw that. We that. saw that after, mm. but I think it was like 86, 87, probably 87 over here. I we? feel like it was 87. Yeah. And then, um, so we wa I watched that and it was that, that was it, game yeah. over. No more scooters. We'd break them a lot because we were learning quite a lot. We would like it doing... It was 87. It was yeah. 87, yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah, so that was it. And it was like transition straight to skate. And then from that point, it was like, okay, we took that set up and then built a half pipe and there was a, it was a it was like a piggery so it's quite a big barn quite a low roof where if you put a seven foot ramp in it was quite a low roof so if you were in the corner of the tranny you were like leaning over and touching the roof yeah. and then if you were at the other end you could stand up completely because it was a, like yeah, it was so right, like as the like as a tranny went across like this end was tight that end was further away so and it was about as big as you could fit in there do you know what i mean so we ended up with a 12 foot wide essentially like a mini vert ramp. So you had like a seven foot tranny one side, seven and a half the other. And then we knocked the wall out and then made it 24 foot wide. So it was seven, six, <coughs> seven and a half, five, or five and a half. So you could go up and down. And, th and then at the same time, uh, just a little bit later than that, we built another one. So we ended up with like a little mini ramp, ramp complex. So you had like a three foot, four footer, a three footer, like a hip, but a gap. Um, and then this sort of mini vert ramp. So I, I didn't. I learned to skate tranny, yeah, and didn't skate street at all. I mean, I could do an invert before I could ollie up a curb, hmm. like for sure, for real. You know, yeah. and it was like that, I, I never. I, I'd be. I mean, I ended up skating a little bit of street, mm -hmm. um, but it was never my thing because I never learned it. You know, like we we were basically right at the tail end of everyone doing early grabs, and then the ollie grab came in. And that was like, a, whoa, we've got to relearn this. But like, we hadn't been doing it that long, so it was a fairly, there was a transition between them two. It wasn't like we were really setting our ways with that. Yeah. But that's where we learned everything. So there was no real mini ramps. Like I learned to do a rock fakie at ROM in the hot concrete half pipe. It's got no flat bottom, it's six foot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you bail, the ball goes up 30 foot and then lands on you. It's not friendly. You know, so like rock and rolls and rock fakies and all the basic stuff, we learned, we'd go to ROM, we went to Rom on scooters, but then we went to then we then we started skating Rom. But I never really like at that point. We went back to Rom years later. Like I skated Rom a lot, and I really love it. It's my, my favourite parks. But um, with with that, at that point, it was just like learning vert ramp there. There was mini ramps there, 
and that was where the sessions were, like Curtis McCann, all those dudes out of London would go there. We'd go to um, King's Cross yeah. and skate that ramp when that was there. There weren't many ramps, you know, so we, people would come to our ramp quite regularly, like Jagger came down from Midlands. Like, we had, like, Jagger got, was so sick. Yeah, like so there was sick. a load of them. Like you randomly on a Saturday, you'd randomly do, get those Americans would turn up. See, it was there. a different um, <clears throat> landscape then, wasn't it? There was, like now there's skate parks. There was no skate parks. There was nothing. Yeah, like there was Harrow. There was Stevenage, Stevenage, Rome. and Rom, and that was kind of yeah South Sea, I guess. But yeah. we never went to South Sea. But like those were it, and then Livingston. Yeah, but and everywhere and else it was, it was nothing. It was so different, you yeah. know, like so like it, what what we what also like where we grew up skating. We had like the influence was all the older guys there. It was like there was a few dudes there, like Nick Sable, some Fred, and some other guys that would like teach us stuff. Actually, a pretty cool dude. Actually, he was really around style back in those days. He was a guy in a band, um, Knights of Reb, Knights of Reb, Knights of Reb, oh, like Tony yeah, Hawk's yeah. favorite band yeah, at yeah. the time. Yeah. And uh, they were all from Chelmsford, those days, oh. and they used to come skate. They were rad. Like, so it was a bit of a like a random mix of older guys and us. Yeah. But then we went sort of from skating, like, uh, sort of learning everything from the videos, and Eight Street came, and it was like mini ramp explosion. We had a mini ramp. Perfect. It was fucking game yeah. on. So yeah. like every day, I skate every day, and um, there was a brilliant like. Essentially, what we had in there, it sounds a bit cliche, but like the atmosphere in there was fucking electric. Like everyone really wanted to get it. Yeah. There was no cruising. It was like game on. Like if you went there, you wanted to get it, and if you weren't, if you weren't going to get it, you're going to get snaked, and you ain't going to get a yeah. go. And it sounds lame, but it was fucking brilliant. And look, basically, essentially, I mean, what it, it did. Like my, my, Worst nightmare. Your worst yeah. nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> but it's either like you're going to get some, or you're like, don't, don't bother. Yeah, yeah. Go and sit and watch, because all of us are going to get it. And it basically created an atmosphere like where everyone there. There was a lot of good skaters like came out of there. There was a few locals like that got really good. Jack, Jamie Shaw, end up skating for H Street and some other brands. So there was like good crew of younger kids coming through, like a little bit younger than me. And then there was a good crew of older guys, a bit older than me, that were teaching us the ropes. And then when the mini ramp came, it sort of all the old guys were like, oh, we can't do any of this shit. Like, we could do grinds and little airs and inverts and the basic sort of verty style yeah. stuff. But we then, like, it was then Ollie Blunts and tail slides and mm. all of this shit. Where that, that didn't exist for them, you know? So it's sort of like we had this crazy learning curve. And we had the ramp every day and we skated every day. It was like every single day it was on and every day we, we were getting stuck in. So we transitioned, was, like, we were, there was a lot of good skating there, you know, and we didn't travel enough really. In hindsight, I think yeah, but we, I mean, if you had that there on your doorstep, yeah. then basically, why would and you? And people would come. And if you if you the sessions, like you're getting good sessions in, you kind uh, of- You don't need to. to. Yeah, you, yeah, you're getting yeah. what you need to. Yeah, yeah, and, and what, what was right, like we had, um, like people would visit like the, the pro guys of the time which there were virtually none but it was like uh sean goff dossett paul wright um those three like they can't remember those three coming one night i think jason lund maybe come there but like who did he write for jason lund i can't remember it's rad style Oh, I don't know. He was on M Zone. He was on M Zone. Fraser, Fraser, can you? Early. Jason Lund. I'm sure Jason Lund was on M Zone. Yeah, maybe. I don't know whether he was on any brands, but like Dossett had front cover of Rad. Yeah. On yeah. that ramp. He was sick. And, what um, was he doing? Cheat chink. 
even right. though you're telling me you're not allowed to use that. Can't use that. It's the noise of the trick, yeah, unfortunately. Okay. All right. But <laughs> like, uh, what was rad that day <coughs> is like, they basically turned up. Dossett killed it. Did yeah. loads of stuff. Like made it look freely. Yeah. And a lot. And Paul Wright changed the game. Like for me personally, my 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 sort of favourite skaters were never like the clean cut. Like the the guys who were good. They were more like the ones like Ben Schroeder. Yeah. yeah, Chris Miller, that type of skater. I you know, remember like power and yeah. st- you know, Chris Miller is style and power, but like Schroeder's just psycho. Yeah, so ben, ben Schroeder, I was kind of late to the game of him, but like one quote Pauli said to me once about, I'm sure it was Pauli. He went to it must have been South Sea, and Ben Schroeder was skating the ramp there, and he was like, when he was on the ramp, the ramp was shaking. Yeah, it was He's massive. Like, you know, because yeah. he's a tall dude, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, really? he's, he's big. Yeah. He's, uh, it was, I've got a sick story about Schroeder from Ramers. Yeah. So when, um, obviously, we'll probably get into Ramers, but when uh, Ben was little, he skated with us and he grew up skating with us. And, I, and then um, I do a lot of tricks that Ben Schroeder did. And that they're sort of my tricks, like like nose grinds, alley-oop nose grinds, all of this stuff. Yeah. But he invented, he basically invented yeah. all that shit. Raymond doesn't know anything about this guy. So the first, uh, he goes on a Volcom trip. We got him on Volcom uh, uh, Europe or something. And the, the, we, when I was doing Duff's, we always wanted to go to Cayman Islands. But the budget was like, we blow the whole budget and we go to the Cayman Islands and we don't go anywhere else for the rest of the year or we just fucking spread it out and do more trips. So I was like, we can't, we just can't go to Cayman Islands. First trip Ramers gets on with Volcom, he's like, I'm going to Cayman Islands. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he gets out to Cayman Islands and I, and it was with uh, Phelps. I think there was like a lion and some other dudes. There was a really he- like rune, heavy, heavy, heavy crew, yeah. like all the heavy hitters were there. Ramers is a little kid on it. And um, somehow, a Schroeder's on it, but I don't know it's him. He said, this is guy out here, man. He does all your tricks. <laughs> he's like big, he's like, he's called Ben. And I was like, Schroeder? He said, he does all your tricks, like alley-oop, nose grind, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's, that's right. fucking Ben Schroeder. <laughs> and he's like, who's Ben Schroeder? I said, mate, he invented all that shit. I said, he's an absolute beast. He's like, oh, mate, he takes slams like I've never seen yeah. anyone slam. And I was like, yeah, that's Ben Schroeder. And he was like, oh, no way. And then completely randomly, like, I don't know. He t- does those, like, in bowl corners, like, running with the ball. Yeah, just yeah. jump on. And then that, I don't do that on anything. He's, I mean, you got a high he's risk. He's so gnarly. It. If you watch him skate, like so, the same, same on the same story. I would say ten years later, me and Ben are in uh, Washington Street at Washington Street. I was out there. I think we were doing like some. It wasn't like a planned trip or something. I was there. Ben was living there, and we met, and we were going to hang for a few days, and we end up going to Washington Street, and um, Schroeder turns up. And he was like, hey, Ben, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, shit, Ben Schroeder's here. And, like, and I'm in the, the bowl there. I was trying to do an eggplant, right? He's the best eggplant. He's a flying egg. It's like, it's not even a trick. Mm. It's like a fucking, like it's near death experience. It's amazing. Like he literally flies upside down, puts his arm straight. He's four foot out the top, lands on his arm and goes in. Yeah. No one does it like that. People do flying eggs, but they don't do them like that. It's like a completely different mm. ball game. Anyway, he turns up, says hello. And Ramers is like, oh, this is my mate Mark. Like, he's the guy, he does all your tricks, blah, blah, blah. I thought he was, yeah. and whatever. We got in a conversation, and I'm like, turn around. Schroeder drops in, just like here, this whack, and he's flat out. 
You're like, fuck, like he's like six foot six. Yeah, and he's dropped in and just slid out on the bottom. He's massive, like he's a lump, right? And um, he's on the floor, he's like, uh, gets up, like he takes it. Like we had all those, all these graphics, like crash test dummies and shit, aren't they? Like, yeah, and um, gets out, like he starts skating around, he's not really doing anything. And then I'm trying an egg and I'm bailing. And then Ben Schroeder's like, come on, man, you got that, you can do it. And I was like, Fuck, I've got this Ben, ben Schroeder, man. And yeah. I did it, did it, got a high five from Ben Schroeder. After as I said to Ramus, you don't even know what that is. Like for me, yeah, as, yeah. A, as a six, 17 year old kid, 18 year old kid, when I learned eggs, like he always did the best one. I never met him, yeah. I didn't know who he was. Ramus met him, and then like, it's like, I'm doing these tricks, or vice versa, blah, blah, blah. And then um, he, I meet him, and I, I do an egg in front of him. And he's fucking giving me a high five. So that's yeah. fucking unreal, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. who ever thought that was going to happen? There's no, there's no age limit on geeking out about. Skaters. No, no. Like I'm 30 and I still, I meet skateboarders that I've watched in videos years ago. Yeah. And I, like it, when I went to America, like I don't know if you know, like Dave Vay, like called the King of Freestyle. Like it's what is all the like Coliseum Boston guys, like yeah. DJ Lad called him that. And when I met him, I've got a copy of a DVD that he's got the cover on. Right. And I was like, can you sign it for me? Like, I've got, like, no... You grow up with it, no don't shame you? It's it. part like, of your life. When I met Chris Averton, if you know Avi, who does all the yeah. mental smoking plies. Like, he's like, amazing. Side, sidewalk cover, like, we've been skating with him a bunch of times, and me and my mate Will went to his house, and can you sign <laughs> this magazine cover? Like, yeah. I don't think there's any age limit no. to be like, I've no. watched you skating for 10 years. When, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it, but the thing is, at the rad, end of the day, it? yeah. it's so absolutely, rad. yeah. At the end of the day, we're all skate rats, and, well, that, that, and that shit is our life. No, so like, yeah. yeah, and it sort of shapes you. Yeah, like you, exactly. you, you know, whatever style of skating you've got, you like you'll gravitate towards certain styles or certain yeah. people, so even certain tricks. Now, people mm. even more so because you've got so much more access to it. Yeah, like when we were growing up, you had a magazine every month it. if you were lucky. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like I learned inverts from a, a, a six-page or nine a sequence, nine nine-shot sequence. Mm. Literally, like I'm gonna learn inverts. There it is. Yeah. Put it on the flat bottom. I'm With like a watching bit of text. it. Yeah, like Approach put your the hand down. Do this. Like, speed. Yeah, yeah, that's how I learned them. And it was like, do that, work it up, bam, 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 and I ended up learning like lock that. Lock on, look down. Um, yeah. Just on what you were saying there about getting Abby to sign shit, when Habgood was here, he made Habgood sign the copy of Rad, and Habgood was, oh, the so, unco- faggy. It was so uncomfortable yeah, I've about got doing that, like, it. Prestige photo. condition. <coughs> and, um, Habgood was like, oh. I was like, can you please sign it? And he was like, I'm, he didn't want to sign it on the show, so he signed it after, and I got my phone out, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I filmed it. Like lands like landscape way, so I could put it in on the show. But yeah, same with like Habgood, and then obviously Dainton. Yeah, like I'm new Dainton from like a little bit. Of, I got into skating when I was like 14, and the Sanchez stuff was like just kind of kicking off. Like yeah, I'd always yeah. been into death, so I remember like the Dainton and Pritchard. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff like that. And then like yeah, like 15 years later, like we go and skate skate and stay with him and like have good yeah yeah and for me it's just like i'm gonna ask him to sign the vhs because yeah, i've had absolutely. this vhs since i was 16. yeah like yeah, yeah. it's and part I, of I your life i don't care if they're going to be my yeah. mates for it like is. it's part of your life like i could know him for like the next year and he could be too busy or i could know him for the next 40 years yeah if i get a board of his that comes out i'm still gonna ask him to sign it yeah, yeah if yeah. he's my mate or not if i grew up with him or not yeah because it's like it might not mean 
what Schroeder means to you might mean fuck all to someone else. 100%. That's why it's so good because yeah. it's so vast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Right. That's what's so good about skating. Yeah. It's so diverse. Yeah, you yeah. just pick whatever you want. Everyone geeks out and just there's not what you're not just geeking out on like one formula. No, no, car not at drive, all. You know what I mean? Everyone's yeah. got like, and you can geek out on skaters that aren't pro. Yeah, absolutely. Or aren't known or like local legends yeah, just because yeah. you see how good they are. Yeah. And yeah. they might not even be good to you, but to me, it's something about it that makes it good. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, going back to what you're saying about like when the, the older generation of your guys were on your way, when it went just to just that mini ramp, and they kind of like knocked it on the head. Was that around the time when wheels started getting smaller? And bit, like, a and little bit earlier. So we probably had like 1990 yeah, yeah. around then. Yeah, yeah, a bit earlier. So it was like essentially that ramp. So yeah, 88, 89, it was full on. And but the rave scene started at the same time. Did you get into that? Yeah, but um, I never got into the chemicals. I got quite. I got away with it somehow. But everyone around me did. So I, I it's a weird story. But like I, I did end up. We ended up a couple of mates of mine from. There weren't many people into it at the, initially. And when it first started, it was like, I because I was into breaking and music and whatever. I was like, okay, and hip hop. And then this came and it was like, what the fuck is this all about? So. And we got, I, I ended up going to some like sort of acid house parties in London before the warehouse thing. And then when the warehouse thing started, I, I went to the first one. So like the first sunrise, which is like the biggest party that had ever happened in England, 10,000 people in a air hangar in near Slough where no one knew where it was and everyone's ringing a fucking phone line Slough saying, as well, where right? is it? It's because there's a lot of air hangars around there. It's like mm. near Heathrow. So there's loads of old big buildings they rented uh, there's a book about that that night they rented it for 500 quid and said it was for a uh, a uh, music video and then 10,000 people turned up and had a party Shit. they made like a million <coughs> quid cash in one night Fucking hell. yeah it's pretty wild but um yeah so we were there but that, when i was there i saw a guy i saw this is amazing that was mental atmosphere Lots of people off the edge having a fucking whale of a time, but like I, I didn't do any drugs at, uh, at all, and I did. I was I drink, but um, you couldn't buy a drink, so I had like a bottle of champagne or something. It was like we were here, and then I, I went to the toilet, and there was a guy in there who was clearly like either heroin or something like that, but he was on his flat, looking like he might die. And somehow I had this thing in my head was like, this is fucking amazing, could end up there. And I never got into it. Like everyone else I knew did. Yeah, and yeah. Some of them never came back. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but um, but at the ramp, everyone was smoking weed, and like underneath the ramp, there was like a little area where you could go in. So like dudes would come to the ramp and get stoned, stand on the platform, because un down underneath there, people were just doing buckets and constantly getting fucking stoned, hmm. and all these fumes were coming up through the ramp. So it was like it's a hot box. Yeah, it? it was just like, but it never like we never stopped skating. There was like a whole crew of people who used to come and hang doing that. And they were never not anti-skating. They were interested in it. They would come out and watch or whatever. Some of them did skate a bit, but that never stopped. It was like, so 88, 89 uh, was still like the small wheels and pressure flips and that hadn't started coming through. Really, it was like 90, 91. I'm just curious how, how you been I was known hot. for transition skating when small wheels came I was, I was in. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I skated vert with like 45 yeah. mil wheels at the at, at that point, you still stayed off street skating. You yeah, no, I started street skating. Right. Like I learned to like ollie, kickflip, basics. I've seen you do kickflip. Yeah, kickflop, I would say, rather yeah. than kickflip. Yeah, kickflip. But um, 
that was acceptable back then, but unfortunately <laughs> it's not so much now. But yeah, so um, I then learned pressure flips and all that stuff, like which everyone, if you were skating at that time, you learned that because that was part of the deal. And then it, but it, it was never really my thing. I just chucked myself down gaps and stairs, did a few little handrails and whatever, but never, n- never had to pop, you know, it's not my, I just never learned it. You know, I never felt good. Like well, that where, he- heavy back leg. Yeah, just from not, skating, not, it? it's it's not yeah, it? just like a completely different weight distribution, you know, and on tranny, there's one thing and on street, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely jealous of bodies who've got that, you know, you can see they're so light footed on tranny as well. You can yeah. tell. I've never just, been light footed. It's like my legs don't want to yeah. lift up. I mean, all I, I've done is skate ramp. It seems like my legs don't. Yeah, they don't want to come with you. No. Like in, in <laughs> no. my head it works, but when it, in practice it doesn't actually unfold like that. Whereas if you're skating bigger stuff, like bigger tranny, you can use your momentum to get you up and back down. Mm. But you can't do that on mini. You know, you could never, you, I mean, that's just pure like actual ability to get you up and down in the right place on smaller stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's like street. It's like, you know, to me, street is like, uh, even though I can't do it, like I've got massive respect for that style of skateboarding because to me, it's like you can learn to skate vert and like get your idea of like where you need to be from the vert to like land on airs and, you know, taking shit to another level on vert is like gnarly. It is, you can hurt yourself big time. But mm. street is relentless. Even on the most basic thing, you can kill yourself, you know? Yeah, because yeah, nothing's the same, is uh, it? Yeah, no, exactly. And, and that's like real street, where bods are really doing it in the streets rather than just being good in a park on street course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, completely yeah, yeah. different. But yeah, so I, I, I saw we did that. And then when that did come, I carried on skating. But at the same time, uh, um, that's how I sort of ended up getting into snowboarding yeah. a bit. It was like, we were skating the ramp. How I ended up really going snowboarding is it Phil Young? Do you know, you know yeah, Phil? Yeah. Like, so he's really, he used to skate our ramp. They were from Harlow. There's a few dudes like Rennie and Simon and Phil, Darren, used to come from Harlow Skate. And all of them ended up sort of being in and around the industry. Like Darren set up A4 distribution yeah, yeah. that did Etnies and all of that mm-hmm. with Alan. And then Phil's obviously been involved in that. And then I think Simon does art and Rennie works with Soul Tech too, I think. So they were... At the time, I think Darren was working for, uh, for Phase 7, which we really had no idea. We weren't interested in the industry. We were just like proper skate rats, just wanted yeah, to get yeah. it, and that's it. And, um, yeah, so Phil had mentioned, saying, you, you should go snowboarding. You fucking love it, blah, blah, blah. I was like, mm, uh, snowboarding, man. Fuck that. I'm a skateboarder. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not interested in that shit. Like, I'm never going to go snowboarding. But he was like, you should go. It's fun, blah, blah, blah. He was going, and I was like, ah. Oh. Yeah, no, nah. and then left it, and then I'm getting. It's probably maybe in the same year, maybe the next year, that um, there was a guy who used to skate there from from Cambridge. Uh, his dad or parents lived on the airbase, and they'd come up. He was English, but like um, he would come and skate. Justin yeah. Allenson, his name was. Actually, set up a brand called Dope, a snowboard brand. Uh, years later, but. No, it's a different brand. Yeah, same name, different brand. But, like, this is, like, uh, like, there's an actual really sick uh, dope video from the 90s. I'm going to say mid-90s, 96, 97. It's got Penny, Rune. Uh, uh, Wasn't, um, fucking hell, the Finnish vert skater. You'll see. There. He was on it, wasn't he? Yeah, he might have been on it, yeah. Like, Rune, it's, like, basically, it's, like, Flip. 
Yeah. Or there, um, but there's some good snowboarding in it as well. It's really rad. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know whether it's online, but it's a sick video. But anyway, um, Justin Allison used to skate our ramp. Similar, similar standard, similar age to me. And then one, like, we'd skate every day. He'd come every week. And it was like, we were about the same level. And then I'm going every day. And then it's like, I'm starting to, like, learn more tricks because I'm skating more. Yeah, doing yeah. the same tricks. And, like, he's a nice guy. Like, we got on quite well. And um, he was like, I'm going snowboarding for the season. I'm like, what's that? And he's just like, going out to live in the mountains for like a, uh, for the whole winter. He said, you should come. And I was like, fuck that. You know, he's like, seriously, man, you should go snowboarding, you'd love it. And I was like, nah. Anyway, don't even know what season is. He leaves, we carry on skating. And I, I, I would say it's within six months to a year, I go to this random, I drive past this shop still now, I go past this like news agents, changed my entire life completely changed my fucking life. I went in to buy Thrasher. I knew they put a sales Thrasher. And they had Thrasher there and Snowboard UK. At the time I was learning stale fishes like on Vert or like on our ramp and Vert. And um, there was a front cover of this uh, Snowball mag, like a pretty rad stale fish in a half pipe at Snowboard UK magazine. So I bought it. I was like, oh, I'll just get both. Went home looking at Thrasher. I picked up this Snowball magazine like looking at something rad. Get through it. Front cover, six-page interview, Justin Allenson. Right. He's a pro snowboarder. Yeah. And I was like, what? Get the fuck out of here. Like, straight down to the ramp. I was literally chucked it on the platform. That's fucking Justin. He's a, he's a professional snowboarder. we got to go snowboarding. <laughs> so, like, two weeks later, we're in the mountains eating shit. None of us have ever been on a lift anywhere near the mountains. Don't know what we're doing. But I couldn't get on the... I couldn't use the lift. But if I could get to a jump, I could do tricks. So by the end of the first week, I learned like 540s and could do 360s both ways. Mm -hmm. It was like, it's, it's skateboarding, but easier. It's attached to your feet. Yeah, you can't fall off. But, um, but also, with, at that point, it was like prime transition, like Cardiel was a pro snowboarder. Danny Way. Noah Selasnik, Danny Way. Mm. Like, and a lot of the guys who were like, they could lean either way and they'd be a pro snowboarder. I was like, fuck, I'm getting in there. So Wasn't Danny Way a pro skater, snowboarder and surfer uh, all at the same yeah, time? Yeah, I don't know if he was a pro surfer, but he was as good as anyone yeah. on surfing. But yeah, like... I, Didn't Cardio go pro for snowboarding before skateboarding? I don't know. I think at the same time. I, he, he might have been a pro snowboarder before he was a, like, sure. had a board out. He was on Dogtown and everything, wasn't yeah, he, yeah. in the early days? He used to BMX and shit. Like, yeah. Cardio's done everything. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so that was my route into snowboarding. And then, uh, and then I did, so we came back from that trip and I was like, I'm, I'm going to buy a snowboard. I had a really shitty attitude towards snowboarding. I was like, fuck these guys. I'm a skateboarder. This is easy. Like I, I had anyone who skated as well. I was like, yeah, rad. Like that's cool. But like, yeah. if you only snowboard, does that even yeah. really count? That was in my head. Like I was a really bad attitude. And um, I went to a dry slope contest to watch. I didn't talk to anyone, just watched. We went with a couple of mates and we just stood there, watched, see the standard is like, okay, buy a board, build some ramps, started riding dry slope. And then like six months later, I ended up coming like sixth in the British Championships. But it was like the prime time, like on, on dry slope, not on snow. But then I did eight seasons. So for eight winters, I lived in the mountains. And then from that, I sort of, I was still skating the first couple of years a bit, but not really, because it was more like, okay, this is my new thing. And skating was still small wheels and tranny wasn't the so thing. So you, you kind of missed out that 
Yeah, no, I was there like at the early part when it was all pressure flips, and yeah, then when yeah. it all went switch and everyone was going really slow, and really big trousers and really big, uh, really small wheels. Not your thing. Uh, I it just you know I tried. I I mean I I did, you know. I I kept up with learning new stuff for a bit, yeah. and then I was just like, this this ain't my thing. And then snowboarding came, so I was like, this is better. Yeah. This is like what I like. I go fast. I'm doing the same tricks I used to like snowboard uh, skating, three sixties and airs and jump gaps and all this shit. And I'm like, I could do handrails on a snowboard, and all of these things. So I was like jumping on everything. And we had basically, I tried to recreate the crew that I had at my ramp in snow. So I, the first couple of seasons I did with different dudes, and then I met some other guys, Kenty and the Cracknell brothers, and the, these other guys, they were pretty good. Like, Kenty was probably the best snowboarder that was sort of not interested in being snow, uh, sponsored, but was. Um, he still probably is one of the best free riders I've ever had out of UK. He's like a beast. And like, we got on, and we were both on a similar mindset and we ended up living together. So we had five of us living in a house and we had another five years of that. So, and, and actually that ended up a bit of luck in the respect that we ended up in uh, Borg St. Maurice, which is like Les Arc is the resort. Mm. It's near Teen and the Val d'Isere. And there's a little skate park there, a little concrete thing, which is fun, like little banks, really cruisy, but fun. And then I think the second year we were there, we turned up and some guy was like, they built, built a ramp in the barn. I'm like, no way, like, fucking, let's go and find it. So we, like, searched down this industrial estate for this little window. There's a fucking perfect ramp. It's like eight foot, ten foot inside, little quarter at the back, little street coursey thing. That's like exactly what I used to skate, but bigger and nicer. And um, Quicksilver paid for it. It was something to do with Frank Scram, who was like a local pro. And he persuaded them to do it. And none of the locals could skate it because mm. it was too big. They'd yeah, all been yeah. skating this little ramp. They were like, can you skate? You know, we turned up. We're like, can we skate? So I bought a new board, pads. I was like, let's fucking go. So we got on there. So it ended up what happening. It was Jamie Dring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was living there. I think Barry came out, Barry's brother. Um, so me and Jamie grew up skating Leon C. Mm -hmm. And Jamie and those guys used to come to our ramp at Colchester. We could skate that thing. You know, like, so immediately it was like, on. Oh, you know, and then every night, every day we go uh, snowboarding. Every night, come home, eat some food, go tow to the ramp. And at first it was like, you have to pay to skate the ramp. So we started paying. Within a week, they were like, you can fucking skate this. Teach us how to skate it, you don't have to pay. So it was rad. So like every single night, that basically was probably like 1990, I want to say like 90, 98, 90, 97, maybe 98, so that winter, yeah, maybe 98, maybe not, 97, 98, somewhere around that. And I just got completely back into skating and doing it properly. So yeah, I yeah. could do airs again, inverts. You know, we would do doubles on that ramp. Had a few photos in the magazines of uh, like doing doubles on the ramp with Jamie and um, just got ball control back again, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then at the end of each season, we'd go to Marseille. So at that time, I couldn't really, I, I couldn't skate part properly. I could do tricks, but I couldn't carve. I never yeah. really learnt it. And I learned it from the Marseille locals, really. We were there at like one o'clock in the morning one day and all these like mopeds turned up and it was all the local crew. And um, just, they were like, follow us around. 
and they mm. showed me all the lines and that's how I learned to skate that place really nice. and that was I like, opened it up and then I'm guessing it was like 1999 was like the first Quicksilver Bowl Riders yeah yeah and yeah. That, that completely changed my life again yeah I basically stopped snowboarding after that I went there and I somehow got invited to Dayton and um, I was filming quite a bit because every time I get hurt I was filmed and I met a guy who was making films like snowboard skate crossover sort of extreme sport type thing for like DVDs and then it ended up being extreme channel yeah. and then end up I filmed with him and filmed four <coughs> with him and then filmed four in the next videos so we end up doing like three or four sort of DVDs that came out yeah. and then end up all of, all of those ended up on extreme channel but at the same time I was like more and more into skate and not less and less into snow but just like when I went to Marseille, I somehow got got in on that trip with Dayton and Woody, hmm. and we turned up and it was like everybody, all the heaviest hitters, Cardiel, Childress, was that the Wade Speyer. Yeah, that Cardiel did the three sixty yeah. transfer. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's unreal. So, I bet Speyer was something else as well, wasn't he? I mean, like no, Speyer was and stuff. on fire. Yeah, he, yeah. Honestly, it was like essentially that changed my life in in such a massive way. It was. It basically legitimized everything that I thought skateboarding was, yeah, yeah. but I'd never seen it. Like it, that was what we skated like. That's how I wanted to skate. That's what I did, yeah. but just not how they were doing it. Yeah. So like it was like Hewitt, like everyone, like none of them were getting paid any money. It wasn't cool yeah. at that point. It was just before, like Dave Mailman, who worked for Quick, who put that together. He was miles ahead. Was Alan Peterson there? Yeah. Yeah, I remember just seeing head high. Backside yeah, I feel I was filming that I shit. Remember, it was over my head. Backside, backside, he's no hands. Like, I remember going unreal. to, um, what year would it have been? 95, Munster Bowl. Yeah. Watching Alan Peterson just tear around that. Just turn up, like tear about backside Ollie the channel. And I was just like, Fuck. Oh my God. The way yeah. he does it. Yeah. And then seeing it's him like, later um, on at, at Radlands. Yeah. When he was doing him on that Wild. big He like, Ollie's then turns. Yeah. And that's yeah, how yeah. you do it. And that's yeah. how I learned backside Ollie. It's like riding a, a glass wall. Yeah. That just, isn't there. Just like drops. ride out and then turn mm. it and ride back in. Mm. But like, yeah, it was like Wade Speyer, uh, Omar, Peterson, yeah. Dandra Hobel. Nice. Uh, like, you name it. The every classics. Si everyone. Everyone was there uh, and, and everyone wanted it. They yeah. all wanted it because no one wanted any money. Yeah. It was like 50 grand prize money and everything was paid for. Yeah. Like beer, nice food, amazing spot, sunny, on the beach. They were fucking having it. It changed my entire perception of what skateboarding was. Chris was Chris there? Yeah. Killed it. Yeah. Unbelievable. I'll tell you who's fucking amazing. Uh, uh, ben Cran. You ever heard of Ben Cran? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ben Cran. He was a snowboarder as well, wasn't he? No, I don't think so. He's, he's from Oregon. Oh, like, right. Incredible. Like, he used to be on Etnies, but he's like, I didn't know Cran. I never, never met him. I've never seen him um, ever before. And you're all these psychos, like, absolutely charging right so like really having it like full-on like Kran is like little little guy light beard he's a bit more technical isn't he just unbelievable like he's just like rolling around yeah. like taking no notice of anyone else and he'd like he, he did lines like i was just like, i said to i can't remember was it fraser with fraser campbell with me i was like watch that fucking guy just watch him for like five minutes and just see where he goes and what he does because he's not doing the like the big look at me tricks. He's doing like, no one would ever do that there trick. Uh, no one would even think about what he's doing there. Like he would literally ride around, 
And he'd be like, just looking around, there's fucking dudes flying everywhere. And he'd like kickflip into the tranny, mm. bam. Ride around, like front side grind around the corner, like 180, nose, like, like nose wheelie, and then half cat, half, not half nab, out over the teardrop. And then he'd go into deep, and he'd like, like, two, like people are flying everywhere. And he's like, switch backside rolling in a 10 mm. foot bowl, no pads, pair of shorts, fakey Ollie, Ollie Blunt, front side caballerial, no grab. You're like, who the fuck is that? Like, no one does Who's any of these things. For? He was on the America. He was just like, he's yeah. a like, honestly, he was insane. But that was like one little element of like just insanity over there. Mm. But somehow they knew to invite him, you know? And then you had like Speyer was going at it, Childress, Cardiel, like everyone was having it. Pete Hewitt knocked himself out in like semi final. Like they were, everyone was going down. I could down. just watch Hewitt front side grind. Grind, yeah. Like he's got that weird yeah. like arm and yeah. leg. It's just steel. like uh, yeah. power. And yeah. he's just like, he's like the DRI logo yeah. when he's skating. He's like... i tell you what he did there, which was fucking amazing. He did an alley-oop front side uh, over the hip. He did, he did a half cab from uh, mid to deep, which is like seven to ten foot, seven, nine foot. Impossible. Like, the trick's not that hard. Doing it there is impossible. Mm. But there were so many things. Like, it was literally like the 20-minute final of that contest... Was like, we we were, it was like full on. It was Slayer, it's Metallica, it's Black Sabbath, fucking going, and everyone's getting it. Like it was like, like everywhere you looked, the gnarliest thing you'd ever seen was going down at the same time. Yeah, yeah and they yeah. were hitting each other. They were flying over each other. You know, like were following each other. Like it was gnarly. It was like everything I wanted skateboarding to be was there, right there, right now. That's you. You can do this. You do that. And I, I and, and afterwards we went back to hotel and we were literally all lying in bed. None of us could sleep. We'd been to a pub and we were just like, What about that? What about fucking did you remember that? We hit it was like that for like two hours yeah, going yeah. off about what happened in that final. And it was insane. But after that, I was just like, I can skate like that. Like I can do those tricks. They're my type of tricks. I can do inverts, eggs, front side invert, whatever, like all of the tricks they're doing. And I need to skate like that. I need to be more powerful more committed and now I'm going to skate like that and that's what I did so I started I basically like knocked uh snowboarding sort of on the head but at the, it sort of like worked out perfectly at the same time like the brand that I was riding for so I was sponsored for snowboarding and skate at the same time and um and I was sort of getting a little bit of money out of both but not really pro and the brand I was riding for was Duotone. So I was like riding for them, but I became like brand manager, marketing guy, team manager, all rolled into one, working the warehouse in the summer guy, whatever yeah. I needed to do. So I'd managed to sort of <coughs> wangle it, that it sort of worked for me. And at the same time, I got on Airwalk through snowboarding. And at that time, Airwalk was still legit in some ways. There was like Rune had a pro shoe, Tony Hawk. Rowley did as well, didn't he? Yeah, Rowley. Um, Who was the vertical? Steve Berra. The Planet Earth guy. Brian Howard. That's it. Brian yeah. Howard was on. Yeah, like, but Berra had a shoe, didn't come yeah. out. But, like, those samples were on the thing where I, when I got on, they were like, there's Tony York, there's Wing Glyphberg, that's Jeff Rowley, yeah. that's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, fuck, like, this is legit. And they had really good snowboard program. Mm. So I ended up riding for them. And then I became somehow, because I had no budget, a skateboard team manager. They had no team. I was like, you should be doing something. 
but then I basically wangled some kind of deal where I, no money, but like I could give product away. And within six months, none of those bods were on the team. Like <laughs> Tony Hawk's riding for someone else. Uh, kind of went Rowley. overnight, didn't yeah, it? it just... Yeah, it was like, like that. But in snow, they carried on. They, they had a good program with good snowboarders and they were all signed up for a few years. So, uh, But at the same time when that, I was sort of doing air walk, skate and Duotone, which is the brand, snowboard brand. So that was my baby really, because I got involved with that about four or five years before as a rider. And then ended up being the sales guy, the marketing guy, like being the main, the brand manager yeah, basically yeah, for yeah. UK. And it did pretty well. We had good, great team. And like uh, all the team used to live together. They all skated a bit. So we were like, it was really rad. Like a good setup. So you, you put together a team for Airwalk? Yeah. You had Dan Leach on, didn't you? Yeah, Leach. So, <clears throat> Barry Dring. Yeah. A t two, I mean, I fucking love Dan Leach. Rad dude. Two stories. I think one of them you told me. When you went to Poland, yeah, and you were ordering pizza, yeah, and he had to call his missus. He had to call his wife because he didn't know what he, he ever. One, he didn't know whether he liked pizza, and secondly, he didn't know what he liked on it. He's like, all right, I said, <laughs> can I borrow your brilliant. phone? I'm like, what the fuck? So yeah, I said, Wendy, um, we're having a pizza. Do I like pizza? She's like, yeah. What do I like on it? Like oh, fucking no. hell, Jeez. Dan. Yeah, he's the best dude. Yeah, that, we're so good. Unreal. Dan. But yeah. what we had with Airwalk was like you couldn't get anyone that was yeah, yeah. legit. No one even, no one knew Dan was. Yeah. Barry Where is Dan? Fuck no. Last time, time, last time I saw him, he was um, still skating. There, he right? was making pond liners in St. Neots. I mean, we're going back over fifteen. I've seen years him a long ago. time. Yeah. He was really nice, Dan. I really yeah. liked him. He was, but he the was other, brilliant the other, skater. Yeah. The other story he told me, which was quite funny, is that. Randomly, you guys on some trip for Airwalk went to my secondary school in Buntingford, where I grew up, and kick flip. He kick flipped a, a roof gap there. Yeah, and that's like where I first started skating. And that, that was uh, totally random, next to the field that had a mini ramp in, and yeah, there was the school next. Door. I remember that. So that's it's in a video actually. That's in a uh, music video. What the fuck was the school called? Edwin Street. Edwin Street right. School. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah I random, that. isn't it? Yeah, totally random. Yeah, um, yeah. So I was that. I was doing that. And then when did it transition from Airwalk to Duff's? Because around Duff's was kind of when I got involved with doing the Duff sales. And yeah, that's I'm going to say me and you first started hanging out a bit. And yeah, I don't know really. It's or um, I would say I probably was Airwalk. Well, with Airwalk you can get anyone. Yeah. So I ended up having Carl, I got Carl Wilson. Yeah, yeah because no one knew who Carl was. He was this little dude that I met at the local skate park. Yeah. And then Ben. Yeah. But they didn't even have shoes to fit Ben at that point. Because he, yeah, he was a uh, that size six was the smallest they went. He was a size three. He was fucking 12. Tiny. And um, Dan Leach, um, Blackwell was on. And who else? Um, Barry Drink. But none of them were really, not, at that point, no one gave a fuck about any of those dudes because it was like, and if you if anyone did care, they wouldn't have gone an airwalk at yeah, the time, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. But then it sort of went like from bad to worse as like the way it was being run. Um, not in England, but like it was just like, you, what we're doing here is ain't gonna go anywhere. Yeah. And so in the end, I was just like, I've got a slide. And I, I and I'd sort of resigned myself. Was like, okay, well, that was fun while it lasted. You know, I didn't really earn any money. We had 
a few trips. We managed to do some trips. I managed to go to America, went to Poland, did some other trips with the team. Oh, um, Tim Crawley as well. Oh, yeah. He's a documentary maker now. He's pretty cool. He was yeah, rad. Bristol. Yeah, that's area. right. Yeah, he, was, he came on a trip. He was like techie. He did a really good documentary with Paul Alexander. Yeah. Paul yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. From Leicester about his mental health yeah, and stuff. For yeah, for Vice. Yeah. Yeah, it's rad. Yeah, he's cool. He's he, really he, good. Yeah, he's... Um, so it was that, like all of these guys that no one even knew about, really. And um, so... I think I, I I sort of got in my head. I was like, okay, time for me to knock this on the head, and sort of told everyone what was happening. I was like, let's get you know look for other options, and because no one really cared, no one really picked up anyone, really. Um, and I want to say about six months later, I just had a random phone call, and it was Nick Jackson, who ended up we was the Duff's guy. And he was just like, oh, what does it speak to you about, uh, you know, Duff's? I was like, oh, cool. So I was like, I'm back on a building site now. That was good. I had a rare time. And I'm skating hard. I'm, like, into it. I was sponsored again. <clears throat> so I wasn't really sponsored in the early days. I was sort of like there was rumours of it, and it never really came together. But then I got on Panic um, when they were going to redo it. So their blueprint and that was doing their thing. And they were like, we want to do re redo Panic. We want me, Stu Graham, uh, Noick, Ben Laden, and we want Tranny based team. I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds amazing. Like that's right. All of was those dudes when, are amazing. Was that when Pritchard was on it as well? And then no, but after, after, like, after. Slater, like Louis Slater, was that all before? Yeah, that before? was before yeah. that. So when they did, we the are talking panic. like mid 90, 95, 96, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe? like the early part is when Pritchard and those dudes, that Panic and Blueprint sort like of sat Panic alongside each video. other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mixed media. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was the early part of that. But then they canned Panic. And just carried on with Blueprint. Sorry, I've hit the mic there. But like that, that continued. Blueprint went from strength to strength, and then Panic they just swerved. Yeah. And then Burlo had, I I don't know who talked to me actually. The first might be Mark Harmon, or they, their plan was to do a tranny brand. Yeah. And like just con like concentrate on that type of skating. Yeah. And then they said who was going to be on the team and I was like yeah I'm in on that for sure mm. that sounds amazing so that's why I started riding for Panic at that point and then um, and then Airwalk came after that and then I, I'm guess like maybe probably about six eight months I what didn't have any uh, sponsor or hook up in uh, not sponsor but like more hook up with a, a, a job wise in skate or snow I'd like I'd like left Duotone had been stopped by the people who owned it. They owned a load of brands. And I'm like, this is the smallest, but it was the coolest brand they had. But it wasn't that profitable. So they were like, can that? And we'll just carry on doing the windsurfing stuff and the other shit. And that was like, oh. I had other offers of other brands where I could have gone to another snowboard brand. But I'm like, it doesn't sound that good to me to be like, oh, this is the best thing ever. I've just built this from nothing. And now a year later, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. You know, yeah. it's like, no, it's not my scene. So mm. I was like, all right. I'm skating. I'll just leave it now. Just doing your thing. Yeah, and I was just like, okay, I'll 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 continue doing what I'm doing. And then Nick Jackson called. Yeah, and then Nick Jackson out of nowhere was like, come and have a meeting. So I went and had a meeting. Had no idea, right? So had like, you had you met him before? Never. never. So he just randomly. Completely random. So I'm guy. I'm from. <laughs> I, I run Duffs in the UK. We'd like to talk to you. I don't know where he got my number at all. Um, 
But like, and I said, I went up for a meeting and he was like, we've got Duff's, it was doing well at the time. They were doing office and uh, the, they were sort of crossing over into that mainstream market just before any other, like vans weren't really doing it at mm. that time. And they, they were really doing well. And they had some good shoes for that market, like the Gambler. The and Gambler those. was the one because yeah. Nick designed that, didn't he? Yeah. Great shoe yeah. for good shoe. that mainstream guy. That was the, guy. Matt, the Matt Hensley Pro model. Yeah, yeah. But they sold that into office in like five yeah. different colorways. Yeah. And it's a nice looking shoe. It's like a Puma State, yeah. really. Yeah. And, um, and, um, it was like, would you be interested in coming as team manager, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, what, what's the deal? Mm. How, um, how much do you need? How much would you, like, I'm like, I'm like, just pull a figure out of my arse, say 30 grand. How, what, what sort of travel budget do you need? I might never had one in my life. I was like, 30 grand. And he was like, oh, let me think about it, blah, blah, blah. Come back like a week later or two days later. He calls me and was like, can't get to this on the budget, but we can pay you X. And I was like, I'm in, let's go. So I came up and I was like, I've got a job again, really. And I'm not back on a building site. So yeah. um, then it was like, okay, you've got a lot of guys on the team who'd been on a long time who were like, I'm not older, they were younger than me, but they were the older generation street skaters and good ones. Channa was on, Harry, mm. some other like, Proper heads are, are from the scene. Yeah, who else was on there at that time? There was uh, Paul Sylvester. Yeah, that's nice. right. When I when I inherited it, it was Man, uh, Harry, who Harry wasn't really skating, Channa. I don't think. Channa. Uh, Channa wasn't really skating uh, at that point. They'd all sort of like veered wasn't off in different directions. Ship Shipman was on for a bit, wasn't he? Uh, briefly, no, real, real uh, yeah, quick. Yeah, but that was that was via me. Right. We're trying to get him on, but it didn't quite right, yeah. happen. Because there's that photo Halsey yeah. took of him doing the front side flip disaster. He's got. I've never seen and that. And he's, he's got no stickers apart from a Duff sticker. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I've never in seen Ireland that somewhere. Maybe that's before. I, 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 I think he's I, after. I think he's. After I sent that. him some bits and tried <laughs> to get him on, and it never. We never. It just didn't quite happen. Mm. But yeah, so they had all these guys on. Some of them were getting paid. Oh um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, from not in Nottingham guy. Helicar. No, not Helicar. Younger. Uh, uh, Scotty. Scotty Underdown. Scotty Underdown. Yeah, yeah, he was on as well. There was a few of them on there. And they were, like, I, I sort of knew some of them, but not really. And they, But they were paying some of them. And I was like, you just can't pay with these guys. Like, not that they're not good, but like you ain't got the budget for this. Like What you should be doing is giving more kids shoes and spending more money on going on trips and doing stuff, being interactive with the... You know, make people aware you're actually backing this skateboarding. Yeah. Because, like, throwing 100 quid a, a month for a few bods that don't really do much, not that helpful. Whereas mm. you spend 500 quid on an event, all the kids in that area go, whoa, that's cool, Duff's is cool. So that was my sort of You can input. go to another country for cheaper and do, like, a, a tour. Absolutely. A video. If, you've got good, if you've got good riders and they're up for it and they're young and they want to get some, you know, like, you, you can go anywhere and get be productive. So... Yeah. And my, my attitude was always like, I always felt like I'm a bit on borrowed time. You know, mm. like I'm like, I didn't do this when I was 12. You know, I didn't even get to the point where I'm like, I'm going to be a, a, like a proper skateboarder until I was like 29. Because I'm like 29 years old. I've just seen how to skate. They've just shown me that's what I skate like, but I need to do it like that now. And now I'm like 29. I've got to get it now. But obviously I, I was thought I was on borrowed time. I like my 20 years of actually getting properly stuck in yeah. but like um so we had i put carl on ben came on 
Um, and then we had Adam Howe. Rob ended up like Award. Yeah, we had an amazing yeah. team, like a really diverse team because Duff's was actually okay. Like it wasn't that cool to like the cool dudes, but it was certainly cool enough. And I was like- It was core enough. You know yeah, it was I mean? core yeah. enough, but also the product was all right. And there was a budget and there was someone who was gonna look out for you. Do you mm. know what I mean? So like, I'm like, look, <clears throat> you, could, you could hold out to try and get on that. Mm-hmm. But, and this is before Nike and all those big boys came in, but like, it worked out really good because we had a, like, a budget that we would travel a lot, do a lot of trips all together, film a lot. Yeah, I think around that time, it was probably one of the most sort of travelled teams in the UK. I mean, it was like, that was your crew, wasn't it? It Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that whole ruthless attitude to like, same as when I was snowboarding, it's like, we're going to live in the house, we're going to get it. You ain't living in the house with us if you're not going to get up every day and fucking go and kill yourself. That's what we do. And like, I'm the team, like, I'm the team manager. I don't have to do anything. Mm. Yeah. But I want to shoot a photo every day because that's my thing. Like, I'm like, what's the point in me being here if I'm not going to try and push myself and get better? And then they're seeing that. Those kids grew up like Ramers mm. and Carl and that. They grew up with that. They they saw me doing that every single day. Yeah, if the team manager's getting it and you're it's not, like, you're blowing. Yeah, it. you yeah. ain't you ain't coming on the next trip. And they knew. They, I wouldn't have I, to say it. They knew it. That's you know? what I say when I when I go filming. If you're not if you don't do a trick on this session, I'm not inviting you on. You're I obviously coming. always do because it's fi- yeah. But like it's my mates. But I, that pre- sometimes that pressure's good. Absolutely. Like if you're not getting it, what are we giving you the money for? Yeah. And it's not, a wasted well, I, I, well, let's seat. bring someone else. It's a wasted seat in the car if you're 100%. not. hundred percent. I, I had that attitude on every trip we ever went on. I was like, I'm not. Te- I'm not going to have to say it to you. You're just going to know. You yeah. know, you're going to know that next time, when we go on the next trip, what we're going to do, bring the young kid who's never been on a trip before, who's desperate to be involved in this shit, who's going to kill himself to try and mm-hmm. get to the next trip, or the guy who's been on 100 trips who just goes, oh, I need sit- to shoot one photo this week. You yeah, know, like it ain't about it. the one photo that's going to go in the magazine. It's about getting involved. It's like doing the thing. Yeah, and then yeah, like, yeah, if you're all doing the thing, everyone's doing better shit, everyone gets better. So I had that attitude always, and we did that with Duff's. It was amazing. Like we, I was, I feel really lucky. Like we created a, uh, a real, like a pretty tight knit, but look like the long way apart. Like Rob Smith ended up. He was in Manchester. We had Awad in London. I was up from Essex. We had some dudes from Wales. In uh, in the end, there was a couple of guys that come on from over there, like in, in sporadically. Actually, through before Airwalk was there was a couple of dudes from there because you couldn't get bods. You know, it wasn't like you could go after the heaviest hitters. No one wanted to ride for it. Yeah, so yeah. we ended up having, uh, you know, a, a, a really cool. Uh, Mateus was on there, ridiculous, like standard of skateboarding, on that team at that time was next level. Probably yeah. the best team that was put. You know, I mean, obviously, Pauli ended up doing vans. And they had some good, like a really good crew at a similar time. But like, they could hold their own big time against anyone. And it was rad. Like we'd go on trips, we'd do all of the events in in England. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go on trips all the time. Because we had a little bit of budget. Never had a budget before. And I'm gonna use every penny trying to get everyone doing as much as we can. And I've, and the more everyone did it together, the more they wanted to do it together. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it was still really cool. To get, still hard to get budgets now. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and then, but, uh, even, but that whole crew was dead hungry, weren't they? Yeah. And you kind of, especially with Ben and Carl. Yeah. That was kind of ingrained in them. At yeah, their yeah. Age. That's it all was they like, saw. You're here. You're lucky to be in that position. Yeah. You know, like, and they appreciated it. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah. Well, I appreciated being there all the time. Yeah. Because I'd spend a long time without it. Mm. Now I've got a bit of budget and we can go someplace and we can uh, we, get, we don't have to pay for these shoes or don't yeah, have to yeah. get this or that. Yeah. Best it's believe like, you're going to make the most of it. Come yeah. on, like this ain't going to last forever. So w- with the Duff thing, I mean, how did that come to an end? I mean, Ben was still riding for Duff's until he got on Converse, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, basically. Because he was at the Berwicks, wasn't he? Still riding Duff's. Yeah, he was. So he did a banging. Yeah. yeah, he did a banging there, yeah, <laughs> which is amazing. So, um, yeah, I think... What happened was Duff's, um, so I I was working, I was still at Duff's and the guy who owned, like Nick had left, but like Nick's a really nice guy. And it really, I really like Nick and I I learned a lot from him actually. Yeah, Just too. because his energy. He's yeah. like positive, let's fucking go. We're all going to do it. It's all going to be good. Like, I, and when I met him, I was like, fuck, I want to work with this guy. Like, he's cool. Mm. And then I had an opportunity to work for them. But it was like I could do whatever I wanted, how I wanted it, left to my own devices. This is exactly how I like working. Yeah. But um, and always over deliver. And then what happened was Nick had left, Alex took over, and Alex never a skateboarder. He was a bit flaky, wasn't he? And I mean, he's that's when he's I basically him. a a shyster. Really, he's not a businessman. He, he worked for a, a distribution company and rolled it and like rolled it for like a million quid, owed a load of people money, set up again. And he's pretty good at persuading bods to back him, but he's not very good at running a profitable business. So he did the same with Duff's. What ended up with Duff's is it, it's all after Nick had left, it wasn't Nick leaving it nosedived. It was just like the market was changing, more players were coming in. He, he had lost the, the high street element of the sales, so they weren't there. And then ended up, um, they were selling a lot to TK. Yeah. So like TK Maxx was like their main fucking outlet. They sell a lot of shoes and, uh, you know, people would buy them because everyone knew the brand. And I, you know, to me, I'd like, there was this, there's an element of like, okay, you got no legit sales, but who cares? You're selling a lot there. And the guy who wants to buy your shoes recognizes the brand from when it was wherever. And now he's buying it there. And he would rather, it, that's where he, he's buying it there. He's not buying, he's not the guy who's like floating around. Like he might, you know, look for bargains at skate stores. And if they're not there, he'll go and have a look and see if there's any skate shoes in there. And there I was a lot. from TK Maxx in the past. Yeah. yeah. And they sold like 10,000 pairs a, a month. You know what I mean? To TK. It was a lot yeah. of numbers. So, and, mm. and, um, but at the same time, there was still a budget for the team. We were still doing stuff and there was a lot of stuff going on, but that was just their outlet. Yeah, and, and people, you know, they might have talked shit on that, but at the end of the day, selling those shoes allowed that to happen. A hundred percent. And, yeah, you know, uh, the absolutely. similar things that happen now where, like, people talk shit on brands and da-da-da-da-da, you know, people riding for whatever energy drink company, but they're the ones that facilitate that lifestyle. They pay for the guy to going, go on the trip. Going away on trips and he doesn't have to work in McDonald's. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, if you were waiting for your board <coughs> brand to pay for it, good luck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, money in a board. Uh, yeah. Absolutely, you know. So, um, yeah, I'll say what happened was... Uh, I had sort of, I guess sort of like I had a bit of a thing in my head. It was like, I don't want to be the old guy in the van who's not having it. It's just not me. And I, not while I was getting to that point in my head. I was like, I'm still really having it. But then obviously Ben and Carl and all of that, those guys were like, they're another level of skateboarder to me. Um, so I, I like when I started skate with them, 
like when I when I started skating with Carl and Ben, especially Carl, it was like Carl was a rollerblader that wasn't any good, and then he started skating. I met him at this local park where he where he lived, Brighton Sea, pretty shit park, basic little hips and many ramp or whatever, and he started skating. He was like, this kid's either gonna die, uh, or he's gonna get good because he's trying shit that's way out of his league. But he would like learn, he'd do one and then he'd be on to the next. So he'd like do front board down a little rail and he'd make it once, sketchy, and then he'd be like front board, shove it straight into trying that. Then front blunt, front blunt, like whatever, just like bam, bam, bam. And you're like going down. But because he's so light and somehow gets away with murder and he's the same on mini ramp, you could, but how do you do that? Teach him, look, he'd do it, he could do it. But he just didn't get off, and you were like, he's gonna either get, he's either gonna completely kill himself and never be able to skate again because it's not what he's doing is way above his ability, yeah. or he's just gonna get good. And he got good, so he was like, then it was like me and him, and then we met Ben, and then it was like me, him, and Ben, and then Ben was the same, with more more ability, but like it was weird with Ben because he was like this little tiny dude, his shitty park, that. Um, it's like every person who ever went to that park taught him a trick. Mm. So he was like this little 12, like someone told me about a guy called Paul Mutton. He's like, this kid at Walton, you should go and have a look at him. Because everyone knew I was like the where, team. Where, like, where's that, sorry? Wal Walton on the nays. So like, it's yeah. near Clacton. So that's where Ben was from, right? Yeah, like a really <laughs> shitty, run-down uh, seaside town. Yeah, yeah. Like, it is just... Essex, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got Clacton, which is pretty <clears> famous, and Walton on the nays is next to it with a pier like, all falling apart. But um, so we went there and he was there and um, I'm gonna say he was like 12, but it was like, it was like every guy that had ever been there taught him a trick. So he could do like a boneless, like a decent boneless. Like, so who's fucking taught him that? He's like this little kid, pressure flip. Like 12 year old kids don't know how to do pressure flips, you know, not unless, you know, they've got their dad to taught them and he's like, you know, mid thirties or something, you know, he learned in the nineties. And then he could do like a little frontside air and, you know, basics, not a, quite a good little kickflip. And you're like, it's like all the eras have taught him a trick. And mm. then he, we rocked up and he was like chasing us around, like big smile on his face, proper little chav. And then we met his mum and I was just like, you know, like, we're not weirdos. This is what we do. We travel around, we do demos. This is our job. And like, if your kid wants to come with us, you know, you're welcome to jump in the van. Because we, we took other kids out with us, and, and often they just, like, freeze and shit themselves. You're like, like, all of these guys are psycho, <laughs> and they're, like, 12 or 13 years old, and they're like, I'm going to just watch. So at that stage when you first met Ben's mum to Ben coming out on trips with you, how old was Ben then? 12, 13. Was, right. Yeah. yeah, and that was it. So basically his mum was like, yeah, take him. Yeah. Take him away. And um, to the point where... None of this made any sense at the time, and now it makes a lot more sense. Now what's unraveled is unraveled. But like at the point, we were just like, um, she was like, he's really angry. He's like a really yeah, angry yeah. boy. I'm like, and then when I, when it, in hindsight, you're like, there's five of you living in a one bedroom flat with a smelly so dog, and no money. It's damp on the walls, and you've got there's no dad around and mum's essentially an alcoholic yeah yeah it ain't a good situation yeah. no wonder he's fucking angry so it was ben his sister lucy and then and he's got two older brothers that's right two older brothers um it's like bedroom dj dudes they were quite nice guys actually and yeah. his mum and um yeah so we literally would carl either normally carl carl so i at the time i was living in ipswich yeah 
So Carl was living in Brightlingsea. Carl would drive out to Alton and then meet me. Mm. And then every Friday, so on a, fri a Friday, we'd pick him up. And on a Sunday night, we'd drop him off. And the whole weekend, he was with us for the next eight years. Yeah. Like every weekend. <clears throat> and uh, when, he, when we first met him, he had an, e an eating disorder of some kind where he'd be sick all the time. And um, he was in a heart, like put him in a home. So, and um, we, like he, he's had no interaction with uh, like bots, you know, like older dudes who were like trying to help him, like no dad, yeah, no, no involvement. His brothers were like, just like muddling through as well. And um, we were like, mate, you've got to sort this out. Like, if you're going to be a skateboarder, like we were immediately, I was like, he's going to be ridiculous, this kid. Like, straight away, I was just like, I was telling everyone within six months, eight months of meeting him, I was like, I've got the kid, I've got the one, yeah, I've got the new one. The, the, the best thing I've ever seen. Like Andy Scott, where that level, you know, yeah, yeah. like Jedi. And, um, and, and he, we basically explained to him, if you get hurt and you're not eating, you ain't gonna recover. Yeah. So you need to sort this shit out. Yeah. And he did. And so what was, what was he doing? He was just being just sick all like, the time? I think it was like- um, Excitement or yeah, nervousness? excitement or? and just like, and it wasn't like a, a conscious thing. He would eat, I mean, he's eating terrible food. like. I mean, in hindsight, now I spoke to Lucy after Ben died, and she was like, "Their mum never ever cooked him a, a meal. Yeah, yeah. She literally made a pot of whatever, ate some herself, and then just left it on the stove. If you want to eat it, you go and get it out of there. She never cooked him a meal. So that made so that like, routine. He, of he meals had none of it. Like yeah. he had none. So, and, and we weren't, you know, in a position where we were going, oh, we're going to really help this kid out. You know, it's like, yeah. fuck, he's rad. Let's get him in the van. And he yeah. just came with us. And he was like, oh, it was like a little, like, to me, it was like a, a kid before I had a kid or a little brother to all of us. And we all looked out for him, looked after him. And it was like Frankenstein's mon monster. It was like, we were like, how do you do that? And you're like, do this, put your arm there, grab there, look, there. he could do it. Free goes, he can do it better than you. And then every, every week we'd give him homework. We, we leave and we go right next this week the challenge is like it was all mini ramp initially and um and then because he was skating tranny with us and it was like front side challenge five oh smith tail slide back to back to back then stop then backside 50 like, like you know just learn the tricks and then come back you're like learn them what do i do next and you're like alley oops 360s whatever like taught him how to do mctwist none of us had ever done a mctwist <laughs> we're like it's just like bad so, like we were too pussy we like none of us committed to it like we'd all spin it and i'd like land on the on my shins on the coping a few times where was the first was it at peterborough, peterborough. Yeah. yeah so at yt skate and he was 14 mm, 13 13 yeah and 13. like he did a padless one uh, mm. uh um very it's it's kind of hard to ridiculous put it into perspective because kids they're like seven and doing 900s yeah. now but at the time yeah. Five. So there's yeah. very few people in the well, UK, uh, like Ali Khan's. Yeah. That's probably who yeah, else? Andy. Andy Scott. Yeah. 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 But for that, oh, it was no, kind no of, one. and no one. at that age, it oh, was no, like, no one at all. But, but what was amazing about that was, I would say about six months before, um, we went to Weymouth yeah. uh, on a little road trip. And um, yeah, it was like a mini ramp there. It was like a, a small vert ramp, really. It was like nine foot. It looked rad. You're like, oh, okay, this is going to be rad. We can learn some stuff. Like, it was always like trying to go to different parks and learn new bits. And we turned up there, and that was the biggest thing he'd ever tried to skate. And he shit himself. Like, he was sitting on the platform like that. Like, I think right you've told back. me this story before. And he was like yeah. really scared. And I was like, you're shitting yourself. What's the matter? 
And he was like, oh, I just don't feel very well. I said, you're scared. And he said, no, I don't feel very well. I said, you're fucking scared. I said, get in there. You can do this. Just like, drop in. He wouldn't do it. About three months later, he was doing a 540. It's fucked, that isn't was it? wild. Like, like, as soon as yeah. we got that, him that in, and it was like, rock, faggy, hang up. Blah, blah. And then it was like, okay, we were all skating vert a bit at that point. We were skating yeah. uh, Peterborough a lot. It was a nice, small vert ramp, friendly. All of us were like skating it once or twice a week. All yeah. through that winter, we skated all the time. And and then by the end of that winter, he did a 540. It was wild. Oh, it just shows you his raw talent there. Oh, right? it was and, unbelievable. And then... Like, but then we made him go skate with other bods. So it was like you're like he was getting labelled as a bit of a tranny skater because of yeah. all of us. And Carl could skate everything, but he never really got recognised as a good all rounder. Because they're like, oh, they just skate tranny. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, that's fair yeah, enough. Yeah. I did. They didn't. But then it was like, start skating with Adam and those dudes mm. who were technically... So it was Dave Davies, Adam Howe. Yeah. Who else was there down there? There was, there was a few streets. Yeah, Mi- Minter. That's right, like, yeah. Fra- uh, Frank was about a little bit, but mainly yeah. it was like, Mi- Minter was like Ad- Adam's guy down there. I mean, Adam Howe, still to this day, is killing it. Like, he was such a nice dude. Yeah. And technically... Unbelievable. Like, well, when he was like, a, again, 14, 15, yeah. he should have been at school. He wasn't at the skate park. Yeah. And he would do like 40 trick lines without falling flip mm. in flip out like are you consistency like, like what nothing. is going on with that kid so like we were like ben go and skate with adam and those guys at least once a week uh, at yeah. least once a week and then he learned all that shit too yeah and then by the time he went to like getting to the point where he was we we kept him out of magazines we kept him off of the radar a bit until like urban games and then he came third in that and won like 500 notes. He'd never seen that much money in his life. But again, Ben was such a nice dude. He came back, like, he, he just gave, like, he bailed his mum out with the money. You know, yeah. it was like, because uh, they had, like, debt collector on something like yeah. that. And he just, like, fu- like, was like, I'll just have that money. Like, and they were going to take his brother's decks away or something like yeah, that. It was yeah. like, he was always like that. That was, I don't know, it was so hard. Um, like now, in, like in hindsight, it's frustrating from my perspective to to not have him about, but completely understandable at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like what he went through there was hard yeah. as a kid, and you know, and it became like once he got p- beyond that level, and you were like, he's on. You know, we kept him away from British board brands for on purpose. So you're like, you need to go on a Yank board brand straight away. End up being consolidated, which yeah. is a great fit for him at the initially. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, Volcom was a great fit. But we, like, actively, the first interview we had in a magazine was in Kingpin, not in Sidewalk. 14 pages. It had, like, Padless 540s. It had... 14? Yeah. A 14 pages? Yeah, it's massive. Fucking hell. Yeah, it was like, ridiculous. It was like, who's this guy? That's wild. Yeah. It was like a quarter of the mag. Yeah, it was massive. But he had, like, backside flip on, uh, you know, I don't know, 12, 14 stairs or something. Feeble grinds down handrails, padless 540s. Yeah. You added everything. Yeah, you could skate and you're everything. you were like, whoa, who's this? You know? You skated everything so good. Oh, mate, absolutely. With a great style. Yeah. And, um, but that was the thing with him. You just wanted to watch him. It's like when you see Andy Scott skate, he's like, just stay on. Yeah. Just the longer you stay on, the better it's going to get. Yeah. And Ben was the same. Yeah. It's good to watch. It's brilliant. The, um, the first time. I was filming with Ben was when you and Carl and Ben and I seem to remember some other kids being there. Maybe it was Adam. I don't know. We were at Stevenage and 
Ben was in the the bathtub, the half pipe. Yeah, yeah. And he was doing lean to tails, front side bonus and stuff. And I remember you saying to him, "Was like, go and talk to him, like to me. Go and ask him to film." And Ben came up and like, you know how polite he was. Yeah. He was like, oh, "Would you mind filming this, please?" And like, so polite. Yeah, yeah. And then filmed. I, I wish I could find that tape because it's like the first session. And he must have only been thirteen. Yeah, he was little. Fourteen. Yeah. yeah. When we filming for the death video. I think it must have been around then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you were in you were in town to get footage for the the Eurofame part. Yeah, I guess. I don't yeah, know. it was. Yeah, you were just there anyway. But yeah, you know, I mean, and I mean, like anyone who met Ben would have had stories. hundred percent about how nice the dude he was. And like one that when Lucy came to visit here a few years back, I was telling her about it when we went on the big push, and it was when Ben was still on Consolidated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he no, was a he was a special guest yeah. for the Deaf team, so we were. Uh, you know, not not everyone had mobile phones, and we had two cars, so we had walkie-talkies, so you could, the yeah, two yeah. vehicles Com communicate. Could communicate. Yeah. So everyone, you know, it's like give skateboarders a voice. It's like just it, you know insults yeah. to one car to the other, and then you give it to Ben. He's like, he's like Ben, talk some shit to these guys, and he'd just Hello. be like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, how are you? Are you okay? Like <laughs> just the nicest yeah, dude. You couldn't you, you couldn't yeah. force nah. him to be a. Right. to be lame it was just he yeah. was just that dude 100 percent. do you know what i mean and like you know I, I wasn't close with ben by any means but like whenever i'd see him he would always have time for you uh, yeah was and like yeah. you know like we we came here didn't we to film that christmas yeah. edit yeah and like th at that point he was on enjoy and doing really well and like you know it's just like nobody had a bad word to nah. say about him nah. just... i ran into him twice in london when i was well when i was in london quite a lot and he was with his missus i can't remember can't remember where, maybe like Shoreditch or somewhere yeah, around East there. Yeah, yeah. And um, just having a board, he'd always stop and be like, "Are you?" Right. Well, the two times he was like, "Are oh, you all right? How are you doing?" And I was just like, "Yeah, oh, I'm not skating. Team. I'm. I've got a board, but I'm here." With... And yeah, I always regret not messaging him, just being like, "I ran into you in London," but he was like, "Enjoy, pro for enjoy and converse." I was like, "You don't, you don't want to bother some people." Yeah, yeah. Because you think that no, they're, he's they're probably guy. constantly doing something. But... And and it is kind of. You know, with, with his upbringing and that home life, for him to be that nice, Unreal. It's, it's like, it's out of character. Yeah, not standoffish. It's, yeah, it's, no. not, it's not what you would have you know, expected. What was really cool about um, Ben, he didn't have an ego. Yeah, he didn't do like, that. Like, none. Like, whereas, and, and actually probably that's part of the, his downfall yeah. in the end. Because when you get to that level, an ego is pretty helpful just to sort of ride the storm as such, mm. you know, like you, you can bat things away from an ego, but when you don't have one, like he never had one. He, he couldn't understand. Um, we didn't recognize what he was doing. Like he would do like, so when I started skating with Kyle and Ben, I would always do the best trick because mm. I'm having it. I'm the older guy. I'm fucking getting stuck in and I'm sort of like, I'm going. And then once Kyle started elevating, he started getting good. It would be like, I'd do it. Carl would do sometimes the best trick of the day. And then Ben started coming through. And it was then Carl mainly, sometimes me, now and again, Ben. Then it was, I didn't give a fuck. Whoever I did the best trick I've ever done in my life, that was never near the best trick of the day. Because what they were doing, their skating was on another level to me. Mm -hmm. But I was still like going, wow, this is amazing. I'm getting skate with these kids. Like I'm helping them along. They're helping me along to keep me in the loop and making me better. I'm loving it. But I never, like, it didn't matter what I did. I'd do the best trick I've ever done. And it would be, like, fourth bet, best trick of the day, you mm. know? Like, and it was, it was like that every day. But Ben had no idea that. He was like, oh, you did that. And you're like, 
did you not see what you did over there? Mm. Like you did, did the, a padless twist. Yeah, like the best thing that anyone's ever done yeah. here. But in your head, like that's how I could do that. But like, that's good. Because he recognised when it was good for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was like, oh, fuck, that was gnarly. Like what you just did there was like the best thing. Like that's yeah. like, and in his head, that's like the best thing today because it's the best thing you could ever do at the yeah. time. But what he's doing is like, it's better than everybody else, but he's still on like fourth gear. Mm. There's a couple more gears if he wants to go up. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But he didn't even know that at the time. But yeah, he's just like, like that that story when we went to um, Marseille. I mean, mm. you, you about the shark and when, yeah, you, when yeah, he had yeah. all the sweets. Like he's like the nicest kid. So have you heard that story before? No, like, I think so. so he he's so little. We the shoes didn't fit him. So well, we, this is probably Airwalk. Is Airwalk? And he was like, "Oh, I'll just wear size six. And you're like, "You're a size four, mate." He's like, "We're just wearing more socks." And you're like, <laughs> "Seriously, it'd be like wearing a fucking pair of wellies. Just don't bother, you know? Just yeah. like." And uh, what we end up doing. Like me and Carl, I can't remember. It's just I think it's me and Carl and Pete King. A few of us were going to go to Marseille for a comp. Mm -hmm. It was it was the Bowl Riders, but it wasn't like the '99 one. It was like I don't know, early 2000s. Still good. A lot of heavy hitters there. And I said we need to take Ramers. Like the first thing, the first video I gave him was um, Great Lakes Tour Deluxe, yeah, yeah. which is TNT Tony Trujillo when yeah. he's like 15. Yeah. And I'm like, watch this. That's how you go skateboarding. Like all of the dudes are in that video. It's great. It's raw. It's exactly what we were doing in a van on that level. And they were all getting stuck in there. That's TNT as a little kid. So it was perfect for Ben to like get stuck into. And he did. And he watched it relentlessly. And I just watch that. That's skateboarding. You Sit know? Down there, watch yeah, that. just yeah. like give it to him and left it mm. to left it with him. He watched it every night, and that's what you know. That, that definitely helped shape what he yeah, thought yeah. skateboarding was. And then I'm like, we can't. I can't say we're taking this 13, 14 year old kid to Marseille because he's not even on the team. We don't do shoes that fit him, and no one knows who he is. So we basically, I gave more shoes to everybody, and we sold them, and then we paid for his flight. And he's never been on a plane. Mm -hmm. And we get on this plane, he's really excited, like, and he's like, we're sitting near the window, sits near the window, we fly. And on the way to Marseille, you do this big bank turn over the Mediterranean and you can see the, the beach and whatever. And uh, as we fucking do this turn, he's, he's, he's sitting there, he's really excited. He's like, shark, shark. Everyone's like, the fuck? And they're all looking out the window. It's the, uh, it's the um, shadow. fucking shadow of the plane. <laughs> And, like, and we're like, oh, and he was like, I said, this is the shadow of the plane, you prick. And he was like, oh, God. And he was like hiding in his seat. And like, a whole week, like, we were there like a weekend. He was fucking like, having it. Like, we, yeah. he couldn't drink. He's at the pub. We're at the pub. Like, we skate all day. And we're like, we're going to the pub now. It's just over the road. You can skate. So we'd skate yeah. until like one in the morning. We'd come back and he's still ripping. And then we'd all walk back to the hotel. And like, carrying peaking a couple of nights back. He was off his head. And we had, it's a really fun trip. And he and he was like in awe of all the dudes, like Brune was there and yeah. um, uh, Omar, and they were all like TNT was there. All these guys that he saw grown up watching on video were like they were there. And he was like he wasn't in the in the comp, but he just watched them. And then afterwards, everyone's skating together, like just red rad sessions every night. And um, at the end of the trip, his mum gave him a score like twenty quid, as and we were like we cover everything. You don't need to give him any money. It's all good. So we get to the he'd not spend a penny. And we get to the um, the airport, 
and he says uh, on the he, way back yeah on the way back everyone's fucked everyone's like over it hurt tired and we get to the airport and he's like drops all of his money on Haribo and he's <laughs> chomping he's fucking like really going for it and then we get we get to go get on the plane and he's losing his shit like he's on a sugar high beyond belief and he's and I said get like he's look he's really getting carried away and I was like give me the fucking sweets and he was like, no. And I said, give me the sweets, Ben. And he was like, no, they're mine. I bought them. It's my money, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, mate, give me the fucking sweets. I said, I'm not your mum. I'm not your dad. I will knock you out. Give me the sweets. And he was just like, and I said, you've got one more, one more go at this. Either give me the sweets or I'm going to knock your teeth out. And he was like, give them over. And I said, give that fucker some water and I do not speak to us anymore. Like, we were over it. Everyone was over it because he was being a bit of a pest. And we sit on the plane, he sits there sipping water, says nothing the whole trip back. And we're all tired. We get off the plane and we're all sitting there waiting for the luggage to come round. And uh, everyone's over him at that point. We're all like, he's just a prick. You know, that kid's just turned into a prick. He's been great the whole trip and he just got carried away and it was a bit of a prick. And um, <laughs> he says, oh, I've got something to say to everyone. Can everyone just sit down? So we're all sitting in this line, about six or seven of us, like me and Cole and a few others. And he said, um, I've, re I've had a really good trip and I I've realised something. Um, you lot turn into dicks when you drink <laughs> and I turn into a dick when I eat lots of sweets. So I'm really sorry about that and I'd like to come on another trip with you. Fucking and we were like, all looked at each other like, what the fuck are you meant to do with that? Like, what a, what a cool kid. Yeah. Like, and that was it. Like, he was in the van for like the next 10 years. Yeah. But like, that's, that's him amazing. in a nutshell. Yeah. You know, yeah. like... Absolutely, that's him, and it was him all the way through his entire life. Yeah, you yeah. know, like he was like the most genuine, nicest dude. And I think what he struggled with, the hardest thing for him was being the guy. Mm. You know, because he turned into the fucking guy. Like, he could, he, like he's escaped with skate skateboarding, and he couldn't do it anymore because everywhere he went, everyone knew who he was. Mm. Mm. It's like, go there, and you're like, Ben Ramers is here, let's film him. What's he going to yeah, do? Yeah, well, it's we're like, saying, like, no one, I don't think anyone after Ramers has done that American, like, invasion. You know what I mean? Like, Bowley did it, Penny did it, Ben did it. Yeah. I don't know anyone else after that no. so far that's, like, elevated to that overseas level. on an American company worldwide. Yeah know who he is. I don't think anyone's done that no. since. It's, it's hard. I mean, is it's, the last it's, person it's that's done it. When he, he got the uh, Frasher front cover, the first one, and... Um, so I think he had two or three. Three. He? Yeah. he had three. First one, front side invert. King yeah. of the Road in the corpse. No, no, another one. King Diamond. It's in a pool. Uh, like oh, a, yeah, daytime pool. Yeah, yeah. amazing photo. The, so front, the, front, side, the front side invert. Yeah, yeah. He's got two front side invert. One's the, the King of the Road. The other one's like the... King Diamond. Yeah. Yeah, the first one... He called me and it, like we talked quite a bit, even when he was away. But normally when he was coming back, so now I'm coming back, so we go for a skate, whatever. And he called me. I was in the car, and he says, um, uh, "I said, are you, are you back?" And he was like, "No, no, I'm coming back soon." Blah blah blah. And he was like, um, "Oh yeah, um, I got the cover of Frasher." And I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, and he was like, "I said, what trick are you doing?" He said, "Frontside invert." I said, "In a pool." And he was like, "Yeah." I said, "Straight arm." And he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, fuck, fuck yeah, yeah, Ben. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. When, when's it coming out? And he was like, oh, yes. He's, he goes, I couldn't believe it. He said, I couldn't believe it. He said, I, I don't think I deserve it. I said, mate, 
you're on the front cover of Frasher. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't even imagine that. that. Like, from me, my perspective, like, that's like winning the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like, obviously, now I've seen the Olympics, but, like, like, as an athlete, if you win the Olympics, that's, like, top level. Yeah, like, in our game. In our game, that was it. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, and and not only that, it's, like, one, one of the best tricks you can do. Yeah. In a pool... And I taught him that trick, but he did it way better than me, yeah. or, like straight away. And, um, and and just like it was, I was just fucking mind blown. Couldn't you see the Essex? Yeah, it's on there. Well? Like, it's like yeah. man, like so yeah, his yeah. hands down. It's yeah. like three swords. Yeah. Like fuck yeah, ticking like, all come the boxes. On. Yeah, yeah, mate, incredible. Yeah. And and actually, that pool ain't friendly. Yeah. It's it's gnarly. You see the footage of it. It's tight. It's not like a nice, friendly, like skate parky mm. type pool. It's a proper pool. Did he get the? Was there like a cover reveal for that one? I know they did. Nah. So they did the when he turned pro. Yeah. They did the yeah. him reading through. Yeah. The as mag. far as I'm aware, no, I never seen that. Yeah. But he had that, and then he had a, a doubles one with Louis. Yeah. Where he's doing a backside bonus on that three quarter pipe thing, mm. and Louis doing like a back crail mm-hmm. halfway up the tranny. And then he had another frontside invert with yeah. all of the dudes on the King of the Road. Fucking bad. But like, this kid's fucking from Walton on the nose, yeah. man. Go yeah. to the skate park there and, then and tell what? me whether that guy's going to end on the uh, end up on the end of the uh, front cover of Frasher. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's yeah. wild. But then also, after Ben died, like the amount of people that were like worldwide going, he's my favourite skateboarder. Yeah, yeah. He's my favourite skateboarder. I mean, you know what I mean? I didn't... The influence that he had on, on people because of the way he was yeah. was massive. And, I mean, I didn't go, but the, the funeral at the skate park, you know, like mm. the, the amount of people, big names. Ramoed. Yeah. Everyone was there. Yeah. Like, insane. You yeah. Know, it was just yeah, crazy it was, times. Yeah, it was, it was wild. But also, I mean, it's really... It, it is it is fucking sad that... Um, you know, it ends up in that in that vein, in that way. But when you know the backstory, everyone's like, "Oh well, you know, like he's a pro skateboarder. He does everything." It's like, why would he? Yeah. Like, if you know the background to where he comes from, and then what's going on personally for him, like he's hurt. You've got all these kids coming up that are just smashing it left, right, and centre. Mm. You're on borrowed time. You know it, and um, you know. It is frustrating because you're like, you always got the what if with suicide. Mm. Like literally, I, I review, have you, you've been speaking to that Ryan Sherman about I the have, documentary. Yeah, yeah. And that is amazing. Yeah. He's done a brilliant job. And I, I never met Barney before that. But like that whole... Oh, is that a Raymond's documentary? Yeah, it's all about like, Barney doing like the, the, skate. Um, the skate from John Gross to Land's End. Yeah. He's done a beautiful job. Like that, that yeah. film is amazing. Good. Yeah, it's, it really is amazing. And... Um, They've done a really great job of talking about the heaviest subject you can, but in a way that makes sense. And I think that, like, for me, I, I'm pretty open about that, with, mm. about suicide. Like, it ain't unusual. Mm. You know, like, nearly everyone I know has thought about suicide at some point. Mm. It's not, if you think it's unusual... Then you don't tell anyone, just, and you're quiet, and it's like, oh, it's like, it's like you, you say in the documentary, isn't it? It's like a macho cover-up thing, isn't it? Guys don't talk about it, yeah, because you know mm. we're guys. It, at the end of the day, it shouldn't be like that. Everyone's having a hard time out there, yeah. And if you know there are other people having a hard time, you're more likely to say, "I'm having a hard time," and you can talk about it. And then you think, "Oh, well, I'm not the only one having a hard time." 
Mm. Everyone's having an hard time at some time. Hundred percent. And but that's the thing is like within, and I think what's really uh, interesting with Ben is that obviously when Ben died, that was a shock. I think that's what opened up the skateboarding community to talking about suicide. No, because before that, always a lot of it was like, oh, we lost another good one. Yeah. Well, you didn't lose another good one. He committed suicide. Let's let's get to the actual crux Mm. of it. He committed suicide. That's not the same as losing somebody. Yeah, his family have lost him, but actually, like death, like if we talk about that, the more we talk about it, the more it's a uh, it's a subject that, like, if someone knows, if you're feeling shitty and you're feeling potentially suicidal there's still a long way to go from potentially feeling a bit like that to going and doing something right yeah. Yeah. so there's a fair, that's a long road but also that road you sort of can swerve people who can affect it and you go down that road on your own yeah like i've been down that road a little way and it ain't very nice and it's fucking hard to come back but i've managed to because there's some positives in my life that outweigh the negatives but when yeah. you start going further down there, you can't see the positives and you're not yeah, in yeah. that zone. And you, But if you can start opening that conversation up where you can say, I feel like that earlier, yeah, and yeah. other people go, I felt like that before, and you're still here, and you realise that half the people you know, who you think they've got their shit together and they've got a good life and all of their stuff's going <clears> in the <throat> right direction. And you're like, well, I didn't realise he had felt like that. Yeah, or they have felt like that. And then it becomes, okay... I'm not the only one. Yeah. It's a much easier thing to understand and then realise we're all having a fucking hard time. We're all muddling through with absolute bare minimum tools. Yeah, you yeah. don't look, you, you, We've all inherited shit from our parents, good and bad. Yeah. And but actually, until we look at it, like I've done, I've done quite a bit of counselling. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that side of things in a bit. But, yeah, but like yeah. that's part of it. Like understanding what. Uh, is going on for yeah. everybody else and not being judgmental going oh well why do you feel like that why wouldn't you shit goes down most, for most, everybody in different ways in different most times of the time you don't know why you feel like no. that as well absolutely yeah. but I think it's, it's annoying isn't it when well, like this... you know when people say we lost like we lost another one like accidental death and old age death it's different so on yeah. ta- absolutely dying by their own hand is yeah. so much more worse yeah. like so much worse yeah, I, I agree because like, actually like that's pre- that's age. preventable like an accidental death is an accident yeah age old is age, age is age but death by your own hand can be stopped it can be prevented yeah and the only way you're going to prevent it and stop more people doing it is by talking about it and, and that- not swerving it don't swerve the issue and go oh, we yeah, lost yeah. a good one yeah, we did, but let's start talking about that. And then, like I said, at his funeral, which is probably the hardest thing I'm ever gonna have to do, talk about one of my best mates, who's like way younger than me, twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven, like 20. twenty-eight. Yeah, it's, fucked, it's it? gnarly, you know. Yeah. Like, and like, he was like my kid before I had a kid. This yeah. is it. It's like, and I've got to stand here in front of you lot and tell you, yeah, what this means. But also in that might put like, but also in my head I was like, I've got to do this. I've got to deliver this one for him, mm. and one so everyone knows that this ain't this is not the way forward. We need to be opening the discussion. Something positive needs to come from this, yep. and the positive, the only thing positive can come from it is more people talking about it, which means less people are going to end up less down act, that yeah. road. Taking and that's less action, you know the 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 positive spin 
to that is the Ben Raymond's Foundation. Absolutely. And and those guys have done really good. And yeah. that, you know, it's, it's a prominent It's just keeping it... Source. Don't get me wrong. He'd fucking hate it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I said to Barney, like, when I watched the documentary, the Land's End documentary, I said, he would hate it. Yeah. He would hate his head fuss, is in the, the bowl. Attention. He would hate his name's yeah. on that thing. The he would hate... Oh, mate, it's not him at all. But... Yeah. And, and, and she's speaking to Barney... Barney was like, he'd fucking hate it, wouldn't he? And yeah. I said, 100%. And he said, you know what? Every step of the 941 miles that he did on the skateboard to raise money for the foundation and awareness for suicide, blah, 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 he, every day when it got shit, like half of that it was raining. Yeah. You know, he's pushing down the street 35 miles a day from one end of the country to the other. And every day, he said, when it got too shit and it was really hard, he was just like, he fucking hate this. Mm. Fuck you. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. And that's what kept him going. I was yeah. like, that's amazing. I said, and I sent Barney a message afterwards. I said, like, because I'd never really met him. I met him when he was little, but not really ever since. Yeah, yeah. And um, we had a big chat at that premiere, <clears throat> and I sent him a message just saying, you know, the film's amazing. Really proud of what you've done there, and just like great. Keep you know, because he's a, he's a real skateboarder. Like he can skate everything. He kills yeah, it. Yeah. He's a lovely guy. Or, you know, right, my type of skateboarder, you know, real ATV. Yeah. And um, just said, I said, I, as hard as that was to watch, and he would have hated it, I think he would have loved to have been on that trip with you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you two would have had a fucking whale of a time. You know, because they're similar type of skaters. Skate anything, little skate rats, do whatever. <laughs> From the can same do era. everything, just can yeah. smash it. Mm. You know, and I think it was, um, yeah, it's a hard thing to, but I think like this, like these conversations are the things that change it because mm -hmm. actually they normalize suicide. Suicide is normal and it's unfortunately rife in blokes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't talk as much as women do. They don't talk as much as girls do and they don't open up and they and and probably that whole you know um you know man up and deal with it. Yeah, you man up and deal with it, but deal with it in a way where you talk to each other, not by bottling it all up and pretending it's not there. Yeah. It's fucking yeah, yeah. there. It feels shit. Life is rubbish a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. But it's not worth going down that road because it does. Like life is like a roller coaster. You go. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah, yeah. It's never good for everyone all the time, and even harder now when you've got all these dudes living through Instagram. Like everyone, everyone looks like they're living the best life ever, but you know that you know really they're not. They're not. No. That's literally like a minute of someone's week that's good. Absolutely. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. And you can make your life look, you can make your life looking amazing. I can, yeah. you. Like, you can do the same. Your life is amazing, isn't it? But, like, you can make it look much, much more attractive than it really yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's social media, like, yeah. in a nutshell. filter, isn't it? For example, yeah, exactly. I know people that will go on holiday for, like, a week out of the year and whilst they're on that holiday they'll take a thousand photos and they'll upload those through the whole year so yeah. people following them are like wow she's always abroad he's always abroad. yeah, yeah. you're not you're in an office so lame yeah and you're uploading a holiday picture once a week yeah yeah like do you think social media has added to the amount of suicide in my society today? I, I could imagine it probably if it hasn't i'd be absolutely yeah. shocked 100 yeah. percent. i mean at the end of the day the pressure like I think the pressure comes from every angle now, and it didn't before. Like when I grew yeah. up, you had, if you were getting bullied, you got bullied at school. Some arsehole's gonna give it to you, 
And essentially, that's all you learn at school. No, like, the world is filled with arseholes and they're going to give it to you. Yeah. And then when you learn that, then you're okay, I'm ready for the world. But now you can get bullied it's by 24 the world. 7. You know yeah, what I mean? by the whole world, 24-7. Yeah. And, and, and actually... Yeah, like when you go home from school, it's, on. it's, it's still there. And it's on until it's probably you fall asleep. E- probably it's on when you wake up. probably even more prominent. Than, yeah, you know, from people who don't right. even know you. Yeah. And also, it's sort of... Uh, it's sort of... They can be invisible. So they can give it to people they don't even know, yeah. harsh. And get away with and it. And get away, well. like, well, at least when you were getting it from someone you know, it's shit. But, like, you're like, I know that guy, I'll avoid him. You can't avoid some twat on the internet. They're giving it to you 24-7. And if you put stuff out there, which everyone wants to in some way, you know, there's a, there's a, you're, you, that's going to affect you. And that affects the kids. Like, I've got two, two boys and a little girl, and my boys are, like, teenagers, it is gnarly for them because they're comparing yeah. themselves. Like, I'm, mean, I'm trying, I'm always like the realist in the room, always. I'm like, these guys don't live like that. Like, you say, oh, these kids want to grow up to be a YouTuber. That YouTuber's got five people getting paid to help him do that. He ain't doing that on his own. He's driven, he's organized. He's actually, the, that, none of them get to mm. the top of that without being really good at what they do. Mm. It looks easy, it's not. They work their no, ass not. off, you know, but that I totally, what you're saying about suicide, 100%, yeah, it that can't will help. affect, it, I mean. I think it's just, I think it's just social pressure now that everyone's got to seem on form. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. 24-7. Everyone's got to market themselves as being like, everything's going well, I'm fit and healthy, yeah. and it's like, yeah, my majority life. of the world isn't like that. No, no, fuck it. No, up. not at all. No. Like I think that is, um, you know, it's, it's amplified by social media. That's what yeah. it is. It's just yeah. amplified. It's the same as it was, but it's just like, it's coming from every angle. Because you're only posting your good shit yeah. online, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're Absolutely. Only, you're only seeing the best bits, like you said, of your week. Like, I'll go, I'll go skating on the weekend, but I'll post it through the week, and people have said to me, like, skating you're skating somewhere different every day, and I'm like, I'm not, but for my social media, because I make clothing and stuff, I, I kind of, Dot it out through the week. Yeah, yeah. That's you've got only to have some one content or, to put out there. That's only one or two sessions. Mm. I wish I could skate every day and work two days a week. Yeah, don't yeah. we all? Yeah. Me well, haven't got enough tricks to skate every day, have you? Well, I film. Yeah. Run out of content. Um, obviously the Ben thing. I don't know if that because I mean we 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 me and you have spoken about this briefly before, but you you've had therapy. Was that? Because of Ben, since Ben, or was that during? No, no. Like what? What, what um, was set the scene for that? Because I think it's really good, like we were saying before, you know, to get people talking about this sort of shit. Because I mean, a lot of people would benefit from therapy. Oh, and, everyone would, hundred percent. Talk us through that as much so as you want to. For me, um, so I, I never even thought about it at all when I was <clears throat> growing up. No, you know, I can't. I can't like. My, I think my upbringing is pretty pretty normal, but also pretty harsh in some ways. It's pretty like um, straight to the point, not lovey-dovey. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not lovey-dovey and not, not that, um, I don't know, it's just not that type of family, do you know what I mean? Which is a lot of families. But then I, I had a, I got divorced and when I got divorced or when it started to happen, I was like, bam, I'm going to therapy, <coughs> I want counseling. Whatever. I've never been before. I and I'm like a fixer, like my I'm like man, big time man brain. What's the practicality of this? This is wrong. This isn't working. I need to fix it. Mm. What have I got to do to fix it? 
So I went into therapy with that idea, and uh, that's not how it works, but it does work. So mm-hmm. what it ended up doing for me, and now I would suggest everyone goes. Like, even if, you know, like I go every, like, so I did about two years every week, and then probably a three, four year break, and I've been back in about a year, a year and a half. And I think it's just, um, for me, it's like, I want to be better. Like, it's like skateboarding. I, I want to be better at skateboarding. So how I'm going to get better at skateboarding is be around good people and they're going to help me, we're all going to help each other get along and move forward. And I see counselling as that. Um, you know, having a chat with your mates is a form of counselling. Mm-hmm. But that isn't a, as objective as someone who doesn't know you. So I completely agree. Out, outsider's perspective on what you're telling them because your mate's good to talk to, but they do, you do sugarcoat it. So I'm doing therapy myself, and I said the exact same thing last week. Yeah, it's good having you telling me what I'm doing right and wrong, and yeah. where I'm being a dickhead and where I'm not. Mm. Because my mates will constant, they'll avoid the being a dickhead bit. You're doing great. Yeah, Everything you're good. You're, you're okay. You're but, okay. But saying that can be bad itself. Absolutely. Because you think you're doing better than you are. You yeah. need a, you need that random person to be like, hold on. Yeah. I what I do is that. Uh, for me, I like emotionally, I'm probably now I'm more emotional than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. And because I'm more aware of what it is. What I used to have is like, I was really angry. Get it upset, was good. get angry about uh, Yeah, it's all upset. coming out as anger. But every emotion I feel, I'd literally feel it coming up through my body. Mm-hmm. Like I was running, I, I, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know what to do with it. But it's all coming out as that. And, um, which is pretty helpful as a skateboarder. There's a reason, you know, like, and I think with skating as well, skateboarding in itself, you've got to be a bit of a psycho to do it. It hurts it attract- like hell. Yeah, it attracts it's a, a it's no, type, you know, You're on your own, it's you against it, and there's no rules. you being beat the shit Yeah, out exactly. Of. Like, normal people with a normal mindset don't go skateboarding. And they certainly seen, don't get good. Have you ever mm. seen just a random person, no matter what age, fall over in the street and it wipes them out? Mm. They're like, ah, like yeah. they're fucked. But you can stack it and you're just like... Yeah. And not only that, it's like the, the mentality of the... It's the, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Most adults haven't fallen over since they were about 14. Yeah. yeah. Like we fall over every day. You know, like it's normal. Like it's not embarrassing to be on your ass in front of 20 people you don't know. You know, I don't care. Just get back up get and up do and it again. It it's what you do. It's part of our life. But I think getting back to that therapy process and that idea of what counselling means, it's like, it's not like I'm broken, I want to get fixed. It's like, we're all broken. We all need some kind yeah. of, like, I just want to be better. So right now, like, what I'm, what I'm doing in therapy now is completely what I did, opposite to what I did when I first started. So for, I reckon for the first six to eight months, I, was, I wasn't even there for the right reason. I'm there, I wanna fix the problem. I've got a problem, I'm getting divorced, I've got to deal with this, I've got my little boy, I've got to sort all this shit out. I need to get my head together to be able to get through this. You know, That was my aim. And then after that, I was just like, okay, why am I like this? What's going on? Why can't I do this? What's going you know, And I'm not, and part of it, the biggest, the biggest thing, I don't know where, you, where you're at with your, where, what you're doing with your therapy counseling, whatever, but it's like understanding it's not your fault. You're mm. a product of your environment. Everyone's got limited tool set. 
what counseling does is give you more tools. Yeah. So I've got a lot more tools now and I can operate on a different level than what I did before because of it. So when someone, like I, like I say, I was very angry and pretty probably ob obnoxious for quite a long time in my life. And my attitude towards people and situations was complete. Like I'm much more tolerant now yeah. and a lot less judgmental. In my head, it's still there, but I'm just not vocalizing it to the person, right? Before I would just say straight at them. And I, I just, not, not as I'm not trying to be, like trying to hurt anyone or do anything like that. It's more that I don't need to do that. That's not helpful to me. It's not helpful to them. Yeah. What's the point? But what I, I'm trying to do now is that I want to operate on a different level. You know, like all of the things I'm trying to do, I want to be a better dad. I want to be better partner. I want to be better skateboarder. I want to be better at everything. So, uh, you know, if it means me learning new skills and those skills come via therapy or counselling, I need to do that. Yeah. You know, like, like a, it's a no-brainer to me. It's like I said to you yesterday when we were talking after the podcast all of my issues used to come out in joking form so they'd be really harsh jokes about yeah. everything you know just real yeah. like real gnarly shit but now it's just kind of like i've just toned it down because i know how to yeah and me acting away offending other people but not knowing that i've offended them and then when i'm trying to keep a friendship they don't want to fuck with me and i'm like well, what's going on and it makes the paranoia worse yeah it's just it's it's, it's not worth it <laughs> Yeah, well, like like, it, that's the thing is in your in your life, like to me, I'm I'm older than you boys, so like it's like for for me, there are stages of your life where you can be a complete arsehole and get away with it. Your twenties, and then, yeah, well, your teens, your twenties, <coughs> and then but then as you you go through life and you've got to get better at some stuff, and so what like Kate, my missus, is like she's a counsellor with kids, she works with kids, and. Uh, psychodynamically, art, therapy, all of these different aspects. So we have quite a few conversations about uh, therapy and w the process of going through it and what it all means and how, how that works. But it's like we, my opinion is, you've got all of these adults in the world, but they're not really adults. We're all stuck at different ages as children, yeah. depending on what subject we're talking about. Mm. We're all hung up on certain things. That have, we're traumatised by... It doesn't need to be big stuff. It can be just, you know, things that are like every day to other people. But they have affected you. You're not quite aware of what that is and why that... you. I hate the word triggering, but there are things that trigger me from yeah. me, and I go back to being a seven-year-old. Like in my, like I'm like, if I, I, because I didn't get that or this or the other, and I see someone getting it and being ungrateful, I'm like, what? You know, like it, it's a, it's a thing for me that takes me back. Like I don't, it's taken me fucking 10 years to work this stuff out. Yeah. You know, now I know it. And now I don't know. You've got a tool now to go, okay, that's what that is. I'm not going to react with that. I don't have to be that guy. And the same as like, I've got two boys and the teenagers and I'm like, I was judging them with my life. Mm. So I'm like, at 13 years old, I was entrepreneurial. I was trying to do stuff. I was trying to make things out. I didn't know what I was doing. No one in my family's entrepreneurial. I ended up running, I've been running my own businesses for like 15 years. I've got no business doing that really. I don't come from that background. No one ever showed me how to do it, but it was, it was in me and it's a reaction. 
You know what I mean? And, I, and then I'm looking at my kids going, why aren't they entrepreneurial? Well, they don't need to be. They're not, they're, I'm, a react, I, I'm looking at what's around me and I'm reacting to it. They're looking at what, what's around them and going, this is right. Because it's more comfortable. Mm. It's, a, it's a completely different situation they're faced with. So their reaction is going to be different to that. So yeah. every, and understanding that to me and to everyone I know, I don't think there's anybody who wouldn't benefit from uh, having a decent counsellor. Because 100%. it's just about, I mean, it's, it's, about, it, it's about saying to yourself, not, uh, not, uh, not saying to yourself, well, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. It's who you are now. But who do you want to be next year or the year after? What type of fucking dad do you want to be? What type of guy do you want to be in five years' time? He ain't going to be the same as you now. What, how you're operating now is now. And that's how you need to operate because you're getting through it at the moment. Yeah. And in two, three, five years' time, you're going to have a different set of things going on for you, whatever's going on. And that the person you need to be then is different. Yeah. And the only way you're going to be a different person is by working on yourself and understanding it's not your fault who you were, but it is your choice who you're going to be. Yeah, exactly. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that's right. right. So me and my partner, my business partner, uh, Mash, he's had a mental life like we went in right we skated together and went in completely different directions yeah both of us came back together now we've got multiple businesses together we work together nearly every day we have this conversation with nearly every person we work with and hang out with is like it changes your life once you start going it's not my fault but it is your fault if you don't start doing things about it. If you don't start changing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But and we all can be like, if you blame, you, you shouldn't take the blame because certain things you got to take personal responsibility. And if personal responsibility is like not saying this is how I am, it yeah. is how you are now. It doesn't need to be the same as next year or next month or next, you know, ten years time. It's understanding that. You've got limited skills. You've got you inherited them, and you learn them from your mates. And if you're at, it's like that 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 adage of like, you, what's your five friends closest to you around? What are they like? You are a product of that. Mm. So if they're all successful, moving forward, good guys, pushing their shit forward, you're probably going to try and do the same. If they're all layabouts and can't be asked to do anything, you're probably going to do the same. So you are going to fit into that mold. Mm-hmm. And then whether you want to or not, you will. Do you know what I mean? It's just par for the course. So like if you want to drive your shit forward, you're gonna you're gonna read books, you're gonna look at and you're gonna hang out with people who are gonna do more and push you on. And that's what all I've tried to do. And counselling to me is that. It's exactly the same as going skating with better people. It's exactly the same as trying to run a business with people who have done more stuff. You only know what you know. And until someone says, Do you know this? because of my experience, what the fuck are you gonna know? You're gonna know nothing. Like we all come into this world with basic tools with minimal amounts of like, there aren't many good parents out there, like really good ones. They're all trying, but they're all trying their hardest from what they knew and what they knew. Like every, every step gets, generally, every set of parents tries to be a little bit better than their parents because they, they saw the failings and they feel the effect. Yeah. And then they try and be a bit better. But they've still got the hang-ups of all of that going on. So like, and that's just like one element. And then, but you've got that, and it's when you become a parent, it's even more, I mean, you know, Tobe, you've got a little one. And it's like, you've got to get your shit together because you know this, this can be damaging. 
Mm. And only because you want him to be better. You know, like, I, I, my, I see my little girl, she's three. She's got more confidence at three than I had about 12. Unbelievable. Yeah. Because her environment is so much different to what mine was. We're a product of her environment. 100%. She's confident. She's straight, like, <clears throat> completely different ball game. Mm. But, uh, but again, that, getting back to that counselling thing, it's huge for me, personally. And I think if you <coughs> go in there accepting that, um, I think skateboarders are good for counselling, for good, good for counselling, because they accept you're not good. <laughs> you can't, you're never going to master this shit. You can't yeah. master skateboarding. It is work in progress. And like failure isn't failure. You know, failure is one step closer to making it. Mm -hmm. Like you bail, you fail, you fail, you fail. And in the end, oh, okay, do this different, do this different. That's what you should do in your whole life. If you do that, and counselling is a way to do that, you should be doing it. Yeah. Mm. What's the, uh, the first step people can take into getting into a process like that? I, well, I would... You can self-refer yourself, can't you? From yeah, you can. Website. I mean, I know you can do it online. I mean, I do, like my counsellor at the moment, I've never ever met her in person because I started mm. with her in the lockdown. Yeah, I've done via face-to-face -face and phone. Have you? I do phone now because it's more suitable for my same, work. Same, same. Because otherwise they'll want you on a random Wednesday at two o'clock. Yeah, and, and it's a like half-hour drive here, half-hour drive there. It's two hours out your day. session, yeah. So yeah. I just do it over the phone. I just go for a walk. Yeah. And just like I'm talking... It's like I'm talking to... Um, like a mate but like a real honest mate mm. you know that will be like no you're being a dick yeah or yeah, yeah you're overthinking that or you're yeah. overstepping your mark there yeah my, my one is um my, my counselor is really good because i'm full of it and i can go 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 and i can swerve stuff so like when i want to talk about something i'm just like and also if she says to me uh about me you know that was really good or successful or whatever like I've done a lot of stuff that was like way outdone what I should have done in my life already and been fairly successful in quite a lot of realms of it. And it, I'm looking forward to like, I'm not, it's not stopped. Like I'm, I'm just getting to yeah. the stage where it's going to get better. Yeah. And I feel that all the time. I'm like, we're getting, you know, but when she will say something, she was like, you've literally physically ducked a compliment. Like literally, we shot, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And that's, and I, I, like, I would say most people, if they know me, they're like, he's a loudmouth, confident Essex twat. Do you know what I mean? That would be their perception. <coughs> but like, I'm getting a compliment and rather than going, yeah, like fucking, I'm the guy. It's not how I take it. Mm. I don't believe that. You know, like I know, like I know when it's been good and I know where we've got <laughs> to is some of the things we've got and done and amazing and been involved with. But yeah, I think, you know, I don't know. It's just like, it's, uh, it's an important part. Like if you don't want to develop as a person, I think you're insane. Because like, just being stuck at that level, <clears throat> I mean, who wants to stay there? Like it's like starting skateboarding and then going, oh, well, I've dropped in here. I'm never going to drop in over there. I've only two steps, so I don't need to do three. Yeah, I've, do I've, it's done, just not, I've done it. So what do I Yeah, I've done one kickflip. I won't try another one. You know, like, it, it's not how skateboarders' brains works. You know what I mean? So skateboarders' brain perfectly suits, mm. one, entrepreneurialism, because it's like, get up and do it again, get up and do it, fail, fail, fail until it works. Mm. And failure isn't failure. It's a step in the right direction. And exactly the same as the mentality of I improving mm. over time. You don't get good at skateboarding overnight. 
it takes ages and you don't get your shit together mentally overnight because you've got to break down all the barriers first and initially when you i mean probably when you started counseling you go in because you're like i i could do with a bit of help here yeah and then but for the first few sessions you're like what just give me the help you're like you don't they don't help you you help yourself yeah you work it out yourself but they help you get back to what you should be talking about and what you should be thinking about because mm-hmm. what that's what your friends don't do yeah because they can't what they want you they want you to feel better and actually counseling is not about feeling better it's about understanding you understand why you feel a bit shitty and why you've got a negative attitude towards certain things or why where that's coming from you get to the bottom of that shit it goes away and then you can deal with something else that's yeah. not an issue anymore it's only like, whereas if you say that to your mates, they're like, oh, don't worry about it. Let's just go and do this. Let's, like, like, let's. Like you're doing fine. Di- yeah, like divert you're... the attention, which is, it's like having a kid. When you've got a kid and you're like, the kid's having a meltdown, you're like, oh, look at the squirrel. And they're, oh, and they've stopped having a meltdown. But they're still, like, in their head, the meltdown's about. Seeing the squirrels, it stops me having a meltdown. Yeah, same, well. but the, melt- the meltdown <laughs> is about something. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you can't ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying that, like, that. That's what's going on for adults too. So like what that turns into drugs, alcohol, um, you know, whatever, like that's escapism. You're escaping from that form for a reason, you know? And that's, when you get excessive usage of those things, yeah. that's what that's all about, generally. I said the exact same thing on my last uh, session. So he wanted to do it every week and, um, and we started off every week and then I said, can we do it every month? Because within that time, it's good doing it every week, but within a month, something might happen that I didn't know was there. So through that month, it gives me that whole month to, to, think to, about, yeah. to like think about what we spoke about, try and apply it. If it works and if it don't work, then come back to you as opposed to rushing yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. Because for me, it needs to be like long. I need, you miss I, things. I need like that. Yeah, drop of information every now and then, as opposed to it being like, yeah, it's what it's giving you is tools. Yeah. It's giving you a thing to think about. So yeah. when the, when you're faced with that, whatever it is, that feeling, it's generally it's all coming from a feeling. Mm-hmm. You feel insecure. You feel undergunned. You feel whatever, and that feeling's coming from somewhere. And then if you have the tools to go, like I want to fucking chop a tree down i want to smash a fence over you know like i get angry and i'm like oh, and, I, and it's generally it's like that all comes from me not being heard because i felt like when i was a kid i weren't i weren't hurt and then when i see um kids who are really being listened to and there's I, in inner i'm jealous of that because when i was a little kid i don't feel i was heard i don't think anyone took any notice of that and, I, what I, and you know what I mean? It's like, they're all little knock-on things. But then I'm like, you can't, you can't use that against that kid. His mm. experience is not your experience. That's yeah, why yeah. he's like that. <clears throat> yeah, she's can't... like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's, it's understanding it. Once you start understanding more, you become a, bit, a, a lot more empathetic and more understanding towards other people. Mm-hmm. So I used to be an arsehole to most people. So I'm like, fuck you. Like, I don't care. No one gives a shit about me. I don't give a shit about you. Or anybody for that mm. matter. And now I'm like, that is lame. But I've learned that is lame. I know it wasn't very good. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't know what to do about it. And I didn't know why. I didn't that know where it came from. That was how you handled from. that situation. That was, I'm, I'm handling it that because it's like, 
no one's going to affect me. I'm not going to allow you to. I'm not going to let you get to me. You're not going to make me feel. So I'm yeah. going to make you feel. And it's me making it like my anger comes out towards everybody and anybody at that point because I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I, you know, it's like it's, it's personal development, man. It's like, but getting back to your, your point about the, how do you do it? I'd be like, look, I mean, you know, you've got the Internet. Look online, find a counsellor in local you know, That's all I did, yeah. And then just, you know, you, I've, I've had three over the years. Uh, first one, not good, but I, I wasn't ready. I went in there so sort of half-arsed going, oh, I'll sort of fix the problem maybe, yeah. but I didn't really know what the problem was, didn't really want to fix it. The second one, I was like, I've got a problem, let's, let's sort this out. And the problem was I'm getting divorced and I've got to deal with this, so I need to get my head together and work out. I want to fix the problem. We didn't fix the problem, but we did fix me to an extent and, and got a long way down the road. And then I met Kate, who I'm with now, and like she's another level of communicator, and which has helped. But then, out, you know, three, four years after being together, I'm like, I'm going to get back in that again. And it's not like it was bad. I was just like, I need to be better than this. This isn't good enough, mm-hmm. you know? And she, like, she trained to be a psychodynamic counsellor. Uh, four-year MA and in that they have counselling every week so she's doing counselling she's studying counselling I'm like I should be getting back in this and I've learned I'm learning about it as she was learning about it I was learning about it and it's a it's a fascinating subject and actually once you realise that um, we are all literally products of our environment and it's not your fault we're all idiots and we're only idiots until we learn to not be an idiot and the only way yeah. you're going to do that is by trying to not be an idiot. Like the only, we, none of us are good at skateboarding. The only way you get better at skateboarding is really trying to get better at skateboarding and trying and failing, trying and failing, trying and failing. It's the same with your brain. Hmm. You know, you're you're going to be stuck at whatever level unless you start looking at it and going, "I'm not good at that. I could be better there." And then how do I get better there? You learn, and you're going to learn it from yep. someone who's going to give you the tools. And then it's your your thing. You learn, you know? So, yeah, it, I don't know. Get into it. That's all I'm saying. And it's, it's expensive. It feels expensive. But, I mean, it's like, what? I guess for the what benefit. Price, yeah. You know, what, what do you want? What's the price of being mentally in a better place? More mentally stable. And being better and being able to function better for your rest of your life. And it's an ongoing thing. I don't think there's a. It's not like. If someone said to you, "What well, you're going to start counselling, you're going to pay for this every week for the next fucking however long, you're like, I can't afford it. But once you start and you start getting in and you get some benefit from it, you're like, I don't want to stop this because this is good and I'm yeah. getting better. And you can dip in and out of it. That's the beauty of it. You get to a point, you're like, actually, like what you're doing, you need a longer break so you've got more time to think to about the tools you want to work out. Yeah, use it myself. Exactly. And that, but that's a, that's the mindset of a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. You're trying to be better. Mm-hmm. Like, look, look, counselling ain't for everybody, but skateboarders, I think, lean into it really well because actually, the mindset of being a skateboarder is exactly the mindset. You know, you don't know much. Mm-hmm. Step one. Secondly, the only way you're going to learn is by trying, and then failing and trying and failing and working it out and understanding you're never going to be perfect straight away. Mm-hmm. Like I, I react completely differently to certain situations now than I did two, three, five years ago. Yeah, oh yeah. Completely. 
You know, I'm like a different person. But yeah. I'm a different person because I've learned a lot more tools. I've got a lot more tools in the box. I've got, like, when a situation comes up, I've got things to deal with it. I don't have to bat it away or, you know, punch someone or, you know, yeah. run away or, or whatever the reaction would, would normally be yeah. in. Look for arguments. Absolutely. Or, or, or you know, get the, I get the thing <coughs> and I don't just throw it straight back at you. I'll take it on board and then try and deal with it in a different way. All of that is learned behaviour. Yeah. You know? And it's whether you want to learn it or not. But yeah, it's fascinating, man. Get into it. It's definitely worth people getting involved in that, you reckon? 100%. Yeah. It, like, it, it's never going to do you any harm. Yeah, yeah I guess so. so. Yeah, yeah, it's so worth, there's ne there's never trying. a negative outcome <coughs> from doing some of it. Yeah. Is there? Maybe in the YouTube notes, we can put the link to the self-referral thing on the NHS Well, you, website. you can just look it up. It does it by yeah. county. And oh, state. does it? Yeah. Because um, when, when I went for it, it broke it down by postcode. Oh, amazing. And then I went onto a list and then I got a call and then I spoke to someone for an hour and she assessed that to find out exactly what kind of therapy yeah, consultation yeah, yeah. I need because there's no point saying I feel like this and then they send me to someone yeah. that mm. isn't trained in that. So yeah. the literal weight to get it done is a, the weight off my shoulders of all the stuff that I can say to him. Yeah. Like, why do I react like this or why can... Why can you say something today that reminds me of something seven years ago that didn't involve you, but now I pin it on you because you said the yeah. I hate the code point. word trigger because so many people yeah, use it out of context yeah. now. You're triggering me, but yeah. it's like no, something can be said it's even legit. at work that reminds me of something ten years ago in my mind, or it's like it auto resets and goes to that point. Yeah, it's a reaction and to you that react. Point. And that's that, that's what did. I was saying about the like uh, me and Kate to discuss it. And we're like. You, you, don't react, have, you haven't you got adults. You did, yeah. What you've got is loads of uh, older people who are all stuck at different child levels, depending on what's going on for them, uh, whatever's happening for them in front of them at that point. Yeah. So you're never really dealing with an adult. What you're dealing with is a kid who's stuck in somewhere in, in their life. You know, they yeah. could be 50, they could be 70, they could be whatever, and they, they're stuck at different levels, you know. Uh, sorry, I'm smirking because I'm looking at your facial expressions on the covers you've had, <laughs> and this one here. So, um, so this is you've had three covers, yeah? Yeah. Carp talk. Maybe one more. I think. I right. don't know. I couldn't so find it. We got. We you got asked me to this, bring them in. I haven't brought this, them in just to go look at my covers. This, no, we just this to is clarify, complete, we did bring them in. This is a complete gear change, I know, but this is. I like. We'll have to sh put this on on the screen so people can see it. But this one looks like you're kind of in a boy band album cover your facial expression is like check me out i'm the shit this one's amazing because it's like you're so deeply in love that's with a that bit fish. more like that <laughs> it's yeah. just like look at this fucking fish that um, one's a hard that one's a hard one to catch that's why right okay so which one was bigger that one's fucking massive mm. isn't it? 47 yeah pounds. that one's bigger Where that, was that one's rarer this was your first cover right the, yeah the first fish yeah, yeah yeah and then you've got your street munson street munson that's a hockey goal that thing is it? Yeah. Um, talk to us about it. fishing, because I know we're working with you over the years. And Before we leave, let me get scans into these on yeah, my phone, of course, yeah. because we might <clears throat> not be able to find the fishing ones. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it can be quite hard, but your phone yeah, yeah. can scan them in now. Yeah, so. absolutely, yeah. So w one thing that kind of leads on from this is you did something in fishing with Navitas, the brand, oh, DM, yeah. the brand that was kind of new to fishing do you yeah, want to absolutely. bring so, us a bit of an insight into well, that see, they was... actually rolled straight on from duffs yeah <laughs> so when the duffs thing went tits up 
I'd sort of looked at doing, I'd always been fishing. So since I was a little kid, uh, since I was like nine, I started fishing and I uh, used to fish like lakes and rivers and whatever. And then um, sort of got back into it probably sort of when I, I guess when I was like hurt from snowboarding, I had like a knee surgery and then a broken leg and I think second knee surgery and I, every time I had time out, I'd go fishing. And I was starting to think, I don't want to be the old guy in the van and not be able to skate. And I need to sort something out myself. Yep. So I came up with the idea of um, doing a fishing brand. I was going to do it with a friend. Sort of came together and then didn't. We didn't trademark it. It wasn't happening. So I left it for another few, two or three years, maybe four or five years. And then um, essentially came up with the idea... I was actually still at Duff's at that point. There's a Duff's t-shirt right here as well. Yeah. Was that Goa? Yeah. Skate Goa, yeah. yeah. And um, loads of stickers on the board. Yeah, and um, so I I basically started putting together a brand for fishing that was essentially like a skate brand. You can open those and have a look at those. Oh, leave. Um, but yeah, the um, so it was like, I'm looking at everyone, I, I, I go fishing, and then when I was fishing, you got all. It's a really random mix of dudes that go fishing. So you've got. All Isn't it like the second biggest pastime? Yeah, the biggest, biggest participation time. sport in England. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Um, so I'm looking at. I'm going fishing, carp fishing, really, and um, all along the bank, you've got dudes Volcom, Carhartt, Animal, anything that was green and camo mm -hmm. from skate brands, they'd wear it because yeah. it's cool. Like that was the coolest shit out there, and there was no brands. And I'm looking at it going, this, I need to do that. I need to make a cool brand for that guy. So I put together uh, the brand and I came up with an idea of, uh, so it was sort of loosely based on, it was basically a skate snowboard brand, but aimed at angling. So it was like, and then completely randomly, it was, it was not, the plan was, I'm going to remortgage my house, get 30 grand, 40 grand, something like that, and front it and then just buy off the shelf product and start doing a brand and that was the original plan and i put in trademark um that was sort of ongoing so it takes a few months to sort of turn around a completely randomly a friend who i hadn't spoken to for two or three years just called me out of the blue and um he was a bit of a madman and he was just like oh, i met this chinese dude I i'm shark fishing with this chinese dude i met him you should meet him I'm like, why? He said, he makes clothes. And I said, so what? And he was like, you, you do duffs. Why don't we get him to make duffs clothes and we can make a cut? And I said, all right. I said, I don't even know where we make the clothes. I'm the team manager. He said, I'm setting a meeting up anyway. So I was like, all right. Anyway, two weeks later, I go to London for this meeting. And I meet my mate Greg. And he's like, oh, this, this guy's cool, blah, blah, blah. And he went to the pub before this meeting. I'm like, I've got no real business being there other than like he, if we can sort something out, I would like to make a little bit of money. I, weren't, I, I had no idea what was going on with that. Anyway, I had the DM, which is my brand, DM, Carpe DM, Seize the Day, Carp, Carp Fishing, whatever. So I had like a, a D in a box and a logo and a load of T designs. I had these line sheets, no real product. And I said, oh, I'm doing this brand. So I put them out on the table. He's like, this is fucking sick. Like, this is really good. What's, what's the deal? So I was like, it's all there, trademark's in. 
I'm going to remortgage my house and then start making this shit. I didn't have any jackets in it. I just had hoodies and tees and designs and head, headwear, whatever. They're largely camo. No, mainly green because yeah. I didn't have my own camo or anything at that point. And it was just green, black, green, black, brown, you know, like earthy tones. And uh, but then a red logo, so it was po poppy. So it was like real, like, well, what's that? You know, mm. like. And then I went to this meeting, and we went through all the products that they did. And I said, I want to work for Darfs, blah blah blah. And at the end of the meeting, my mate Greg goes, "Show me your cart brand." So I was like, and I was like, oh, what's this fishing?" And I was like, "Yeah." So I put these things. I was like, "This is really cool." Left. Like at the end of that meeting, I was like, "Oh, like, good reaction. They liked it." <coughs> and about a week later, I got an email saying, "Oh, come in. We've got some samples to have a look at." That went on back and forth. They kept asking me to come back and look at samples, but evidently, every time I went back, they wanted to talk about DM and not Duffs. And in the end, I, was, I said to my old man, I said, I think they're going to offer me a deal. And basically they said, look, we're, we really like this fishing idea. We'll fund it. You run it. And I was like, perfect. So 50-50, you can access our production. So it meant we, we held it back on launching it. And then I put together like five styles of jacket, all waterproof, breathable, hoodies, tees, you know, like a full on... Proper brand, full yeah, not 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 bedroom brand, like a full on brand. Yeah, and then I then I'd done selling before, so I'd sold Duotone into stores. I knew how to play that game. I'd done a little bit of distribution, so I sort of roughly knew how that worked. I'd worked in skate or a snowboard shop, so I knew how that worked. And I and I'd come up with this idea, and so it was my baby. So I was like, all right, and I could do however I wanted. So I literally went. Went to the magazines, because it was mags at the time before the internet. It was 2009 this started. And um, showed a couple of the guys in the magazines. They were like, this is going to fucking kill it. There's nothing like it. And uh, within two years, it was like in 18 countries. It was like the most popular fishing clothing brand in Europe. It was wild. So I went from being skateboarder, skating four days a week with my mates, running duffs, having a nice time, to holy shit i haven't skated at all for 10 months i've been doing this working this out i don't know what to do it's like a a baptism of fire big time so that and it flew and um just had a huge market share and the market was quite small at the time so we weren't turning over loads of money like a half a million quid or something like that which is good but like if you had the market share that we had, we had probably about 50%, 60% of that market at that point. If you had 50%, 60% of the market share now in carp fishing clothing, you're probably in like the 10 million turnover. Mm. So that market yeah. was tiny because no one ever had it. They didn't have it. Yeah. It wasn't there. You kind of created exist. a new Yeah, kind of created a new niche, really. And yeah. just something that, I mean, I remember going in the fishing shops and they were like, we don't sell clothing. No one buys clothing from fishing shops. I'm like they would if it looked like this, and they do, and they do that like now. So that, that I did that, and then I learned a lot, and it, it gave me an opportunity to do everything and understand how that whole world works. And then I, um, like I say, I wasn't really skating, and then um, I the second year of it, I started skating again a bit more, um, and then I was like sort of. Sort of still sponsored, like getting creature boards and indie and stuff like that. And um, probably still had duffs knocking around because I had quite a lot of pairs knocking around, so I didn't really need any shoes. And um, 
yeah, and, and then what happened with that brand, it was like my partner had another business. His core business was just making product for other brands like clothing, and he, it, he had an issue with it, and it essentially made it impossible for us to order anything. So it was like hands behind my back, tied behind my back, can't move the brand forward, I'm stuck. And we went through like a long buyout procedure where I was trying to buy him out so I could move it on. And it went up and down, on and on and on. And eight months later, we de I decided to like pull out, just go, look, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. I can't do what I want with a brand. And walked away, and which was hard, because it was my baby. I basically invented this brand. It was the most popular fucking brand in fishing, and now I've got to go. Mm -hmm. And now, and then at the same time, I was just about to have Sebastian, my, my, my boy, first boy, and um, he um, was about to be born, had a half-finished house, no job, no money, no nothing. And I I'm remember like, coming to see you. And I'm like, I've got to do something. Yeah, I've got to do something about this. Yeah. And I put together Navitas, which is my next brand, in 11 months from nothing to in stores. And what all the shops were really receptive. They're like, you've got to bring a new brand. You've got to bring a new brand. I'm like, I'm bringing fucking something. But it was always going to be, I wanted Navitas to be more outdoor. So not just pigeonholed to fishing. But then all the fishing shops were like, do fishing, we need another brand. Like, DM's going down, well, you've got to bring the new brand. And I was like, if I don't let fishing shops have it, I'm going to miss out here because I can probably do 100, 200 grand turnover just because they all back it and they all like me and I've, I've, I've built this relationship. So I started Navitas in fishing and then tried to move it out of fishing uh, with a bit of success, but never really the backing or the infrastructure to take it there. Because it was sort of me and me and me with a little bit of partners and funding, and but never quite what it yeah. could have been. Even as more successful than DM financially, mm -hmm. uh, market share nowhere near, but the market had changed, you know? And we did some cool stuff with that. Like I learned a lot and I, I actually did everything. So when I had DM, I didn't do all the production. I didn't do all of that. But with Navitas, I did everything. So I designed it, I sourced it, uh, we marketed it. I did all the marketing and everything with DM and that as well. But like the whole package, mm -hmm. I did. And then, I, so I had that up until, uh, so from 2011 up until about four years ago. So 2019, I think I sold my part to my ex-partners. And they, I mean, it's still successful, continue. That's in like go outdoors, probably like 15, 18 countries. And um, <coughs> so, <coughs> excuse me, I then was always skating through that period. And we did some bits on the outdoor side. We had like Jordan was out repping it and we had a few skaters wearing it. And it was good, you know, the product was good. And, but we never, it never really went where I wanted it to go. And I could see it wasn't ever gonna get there without a lot of changes. My partners had another business and that was flying and they didn't have the infrastructure or the time to fund it and do it right. So I was like, look, you could do more with this than I want to. You keep it as a fishing brand. And I had the option to keep outdoor and, as me and I could carry on doing that. But I was just like, it's just gonna be a hindrance. I'll just start, I'll do something else. Yeah, yeah. So I left. Uh, in 2019 and set up uh, Ethica, which is my main business now. And I make product for loads of brands. So probably about 15 different brands. So I do footwear for some brands. I do whole collections for others. So a lot of fishing brands, done a bit of skate. Um, yeah, a bit of everything really. And, and now we've got uh, other brands under that, not under Ethica, but like I own or co-own 
three brands now. Mm. So we've got like Vermin, which is like the little kids um, skate stuff. So from four or five year olds up to 12. And we do boards and we're mainly clothing. So it's sustainable, organic, um, recycled, poly, stuff like that, where it's like for kids. But like, no, it's with John Horner. So John, the artist. Yeah, like, good artist. Amazing, yeah. So creatively, it's really cool. Um, it's a bit like, it's a, it's got a bit of a World Industries vibe with like characters. Yeah. So it's like, basically, we are vermin. It's like, when you're a skateboarder, you're treated like vermin. Mm. You shouldn't be here. Get out, fuck off, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, fuck you, we are vermin. So it's like little fox, raccoon, rats, mm -hmm. you know, like all of these creatures <coughs> that go about their business under the radar. So that's sort of like what we are as skateboarders. It's like, we'll avoid you when you're there, but we're going to do our thing anyway. Yeah. So that's one. And then we've got uh, another one coming, like, which is a gym, jiu-jitsu influenced, MMA sort of influence. But a lot of mental health involved in that. So we're going yeah. to end up opening a wellness center with that, I think. Oh, nice. So like where you can go, you can roll on the mats and do jiu-jitsu. I do a bit of jiu-jitsu training. I've got friends who are like pro MMA dudes. And Could you I, get Ford in a headlock in a minute? Possibly. I pulled my neck on. Could you pull his neck America. back the other pull way? His neck, yeah. So, yeah, don't pull it anymore. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so that's got that element in it. And then we've also got um, this slack jaw brand, which is like moto inspired, sort of dirty fingernail brigade, but a bit of workwear. So it's like, it's cool. Like, it's really interesting because they're quite a different mix of brands. Mm. Products are different, uh, stories different. Mm. It's fun. I like building brands. That's yeah. what I like doing. It's fun, like to, to sort of tell people's stories and like buy into that. Yeah, and, and you've had a lot of experience. Yeah, you? it's great. I really like it. I like dealing with people. <laughs> like it's about people. Like and essentially, that's what you know. All the brand. I'm a brand nerd. I love the story behind the brand. I want to know who's involved, why, and then I'm in, I'm intrigued by how people buy into it. Even my own things. Like I remember when I started DM. I was on Oxford Street and no one really knew it. It was like, this is a carp fishing brand for fuck's sake. Like you're on Oxford Street. And I had a, a bomber jacket, a little logo like on embroidered. And I saw this dude and he had a DM hoodie. I knew it was straight away. I was like, wow, that's a fucking DM hoodie. It wasn't a shocker because there was quite a lot of it out there at the point. Yeah. But I saw him and he walked towards me and he clocked my jacket and I had clocked his hoodie and I just gave him a nod. That's like how you used to be oh, back in the day with skating. If you saw a skater with skate shoes, you'd be like, Yeah, all right, mate, where do you skate? Yeah. Like, there was like that yeah, in the yeah. rave scene. If you saw somewhere a pair of Vision Streetwears or Vans yeah, yeah. or Airwalks, you'd be like, Where do you skate? And that was, the, you know, it was the unspoken, like, You know what's up. Yeah, yeah. And he did that with my own brand. I didn't know him. And I was like, Fuck, we're on something here. Yeah, yeah. Like, this guy has no idea who I am. And I don't know who he is. And he gave me the nod. And I was like, It's the nod that this brand's going to fly. approval, yeah. You know, and it did. It the did. knowing nod. Yeah, I loved it. So, the yeah, I love it. I, I think it's it, it's fun, you know, to be able to not have a job. Yeah. I like Fucking the most. Too right. Yeah, 100%. Um, talk to us about 40, Skate Co. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. To uh, wrap things up. Randomly, uh, I spoke to the guys. Like, obviously, I know them, sort of. But a couple... Is it Marty and... Yeah, and Mike. Yeah. Marty and Mike. Yeah, and um, they spoke to me a while ago and said, oh, we'd like to do a board. And at the time, so I had knee surgery last year mm -hmm. or like just over a year ago. So I had stem cell treatment. So basically my knee was getting worse and worse and worse. <coughs> I was like, it's game over. I'm not going to skate again. 
And uh, my business partner, Mash, was like, go and see this guy. He's an osteopath, but he's all full body. So I went and saw him, and he was like, get an MRI. We had a look at the MRI, spoke to a surgeon. Surgeon was like, it's not too late here. We can do this, but you need to do it now. If you don't do it now, the likelihood is it's going to get worse, and you're probably going to need a knee replacement. So can't get it on the NHS. It's on private only. So I was like, fuck, you know, it's seven, six grand, seven grand, something like that. Like, if you work, look at that, it's 150 quid for every year I've been skateboarding. So that's a bargain. I had a brilliant time. It's changed my entire life. It made me who I am. Yeah. Now let's try and fix my knee and see if I can carry on skating. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So I, I was in the middle of renovating my house. So I got to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to have to do anything. Had the knee surgery and then um, been sort of did a lot of prehab, going to the gym and like strengthening it up because it had been three or four years on the like slowly downward slide getting less and less movement more and more painful was there a particular thing that did it no it's just knee just, surgery just so I've, I've, done, I've had uh, I'd snapped my ACL and uh, I taught my first slam on this one was like a uh, landing over a box like a like a gap and I bailed the board hit the floor rolled and it was spinning, and as it landed, I landed, and it landed on its wheels. And it was yeah. like, ding, whack, like 360 of the knee, like a rolled ankle, but your knee. Big pop, fuck, on the floor in the bits. And that turned into torn meniscus trapped in the joint. So, like, it was there, it was, you could feel it was, that something went right, and a snapped ACL. So I had the, the, the first surgery was to tidy up meniscus, and they basically just chopped a load of cartilage out and got it moving again. Second one was a couple of years later when I had a, I wore a knee brace for that two or three years, skated with it. And then uh, in hindsight, I would have, should have probably just got that surgery done straight away. Um, I skated fine with a knee brace, but it is like mentally, it's not the way forward, much harder. So then I had an ACL reconstruction and then, um, this surgery is essentially me being 50 years old and trying to skate and three, like two knee surgeries where they've chopped loads of cartilage out and there's not, it's just fucked. Yeah. So basically what he said was that you've got, your options are you tie, we, we can do it, we can tidy it up and then do the stem cell treatment now and there's a very good chance it will work and it will get slowly better or you sit on it and wait for it to get worse so it gets to a point where you've got to get it done, yeah. but then you might be too late. Because if it deteriorates much more, there's nothing for these stem cell to, to hang on to. Yeah, to like if all your cartilage is gone, mm. the meniscus is not there, you, you, it's not yeah, happening. It's yeah, exactly. So, so and is it full like injecting cells into your knee, that kind of no, thing? No, I had a, a bone graft um, from my own uh, knee, uh, a tidy up, so like an arthroscopy, tidy up. Yeah. Uh, I had a meniscal tear, which I didn't know about, that they they sorted out. And they tightened up my ACL so they can heat it and it shrinks. Fucking so hell. amazing, yeah. And at the same time... All in one go? Yeah, yeah. So basically... Proper like knee service. Yeah, full, yeah. yeah. And then I can't, like, use, yeah, sort of basically like MOT for the knee. And, um, and then it's taken, it's about a year... But like it's strong, I've got pretty much full movement in it, minimal pain. 
I still I'm going to gym like five days a week to keep strengthening it up and get. Well, you're from Essex. That's what you're doing. Stronger it, and lighter. Well, I never did it before, but I'm doing it now. Yeah. But I'm just trying to keep. Is that the Essex thing? Is it? Gym. It's a fair bit of it. Bit of fake tanning. Fake tanning, tan, son. This is the real deal. This is that's what happens in Essex. Tan. This is the real deal, son. Yeah. <coughs> that's what happens. That's good. I'm glad it's. Uh, but yeah, no. So now it's it's skatable and. I'm just sort of getting properly back on the horse now, yeah. right? Just getting in the air and going upside down a bit and taking it easy, you know, like I've seen. I love that on that there's the skate photo as well. That's like double cover, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Double cover. That's like I just, du- the, the facial expression on there is like. German. I'll tell you I, fu- I fucking I'll love tell you this the story fish. of that fish. How do these get announced? Do they just email you like, okay, you've got the cover? Or do you get yeah. like a big release party? Nah. Like, Imagine that. You've got the, got the cover. No, no, they don't come and surprise you on the bank. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> No, that that fish, so that that lake. You love was, that fish, there, didn't you? No, yeah, it's a proper fish one. That, fish. that one, that one's rare, rare visitor. So, like, you Spot. get you get a rare visitor to the bank. Like some fish, are, they, the big ones in most lakes are quite greedy. That's how they get big. Right. So they get caught quite a bit. Right. Right. Not all the time. German mag as well. So um, that that one would come out like once a year, if that if you're lucky. And people are fishing that. Four days a week, five. Well, there are people on it every day of the week. That lake. So this was a notorious fish. Yeah, that. quite hard to catch, and that was the last big one out there. I'd caught all the other big ones in there, so it was about twenty or fifteen fish over forty pound in there, and I had a big, I had bigger ones than both of those that didn't get on the cover. I had like a fifty-one forty. Was that when the photographer was? No, nah, just sleep, like it depends what else it. comes out that month. Like right, 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 that carp talk one. This is this that's was weekly. weekly. Yeah, that's fucking wild. Yeah, yeah. There's that's no skate massive. magazine no. that's weekly. That's yeah. wild, but look at the size of that fucking fish. That looks like a, a bloke in skinny trousers yeah. that's like 65 and like yeah. a, um Your face is so yeah, like, it's good, stoked. It's yeah. like, so when when this shit happens, who takes these photos? Just, Normally people who are like, I, that so one, just some random no, food. I called my mate, he's like, I, I've had one of them come down. So and he'll come down at first, like well, you put it in a sack, like you. Right, so you keep it there, keep, yeah. Only for an hour or two, like if it's. So it, he brings his camera gear down, yeah, gets and then the we cover. Well, you like put it in something and drop it in the water. Yeah, like it's it float. It's got a floating part and it's on a yeah. on a rope, so it can go a little way away. And it just basically it's it's dark and they chill out in it, mm. and they just sit there. And then when you when you want to get them out, you can't keep them there for very long. If you could do, it, I mean, if you catch them in the day, you just basically shoot them straight away if you can. But um, this, that common, this one was like, a, like I say, rare, and um, I, I did a bit of homework on that one. So I'm like, it, it normally comes from a certain area at a certain time of the year, and it's an area where I didn't like because it was a car park where everyone fishes. All the lazy bastards just turn up. Oh, fish in the car park. I hate that. What I like is to find the one where no one wants to go. Then yeah. I can bait it, bait it, bait, it, and get them coming in there and being confident. Then I catch them. That's how I fish. Like I've. There's a lot. Carp fishing is not about chucking it out and hoping Tricking for the best. Tricking. Yeah, it's basically like it's like hunting. You know, like you're like, okay, how am I going to get them? Like, where do they go? Where do they like being? What do you do? You work it out. It's like a picture of the puzzle. Carp hunter magazine. It's called Carp Hunter magazine. <laughs> yeah. Carp hunter. Like so one one last question. Yeah. Well, well, maybe. The guy who took the photo. Does he get paid for that? Nah. Cover shot, isn't it? Yeah, you don't get any of that. Fuck, it's not the same. You do it yet. for the love. Mr. Munson, tell me about 40 skate coats. Tell us what's, what's know, in the pipeline. So we've got a board coming out. I've got a board coming out. Yeah. Nice. Yes. So, Video um, to accompany that? Or? Yeah. Well, that's the part of it. I was just like, 
They were what like, have I got to do to get a board on 40? Just be old. You're not old enough yet. <sighs> That's what, evidently what's, I, that's how what's I got the, one. What's Just the age old. threshold? Well, I'm already over it. I'm 53, I know, that's so. what I mean. So, so like, maybe I should wait for... Yeah, maybe they need a board company called 50. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. A few more grey hairs might get Yeah. How old are you now? 43? 44. 44. Oh, yeah. You're old enough for one there. That's yeah, for me. Yeah, you're there. Can I not get like a... This You're is to a monkey now as well. well like can, can I get all. a... Marty, can I get a... Um, <laughs> can you make, this a, is my, this can my, can you make a Toby board with this I didn't have to do it. any of this. They just asked uh, me and so said, would you like that? And what's like, the other, like, can I have one, please, no, no, Wait, wait, wait. What's Marty and what's the other guy? Mike. Mike and Marty. Can I have... Um, <laughs> Uh, pro board on a, uh, a curb shape, please. Thank you very much. I'll send you my sponsor. Can I have a pro board in nine years, please? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, so essentially what they did was like, oh, we want to get, we want to do a board. And I was like, I, I have been offered a couple of boards <coughs> before in the past for different brands. And I've always Name said, drop. Nah, I just, I, no, I never did it. I just Who? like, well, just small little things. Like when they, um, when me and Carl were riding before we went for deaf, it was like a little, um, now it's like a local brand for us. It wasn't free, but with Lee Blackwell, was it? No, he wasn't on it. It was it was Illy who did it. It wasn't like a snakeboard brand, was no, it? No, no. I don't know what it's called. Not Revolution. It was something like that. I can't mm. remember. Um, it was a long time ago. But he was like, "Oh, we should do a board." I was like, "No, I was going to buy that." But again, with that wheel on Mucky Fuck, like the the Austrian brand, I didn't want that. I didn't ask for it. I went on a trip as a guest, and the next uh, had a rad trip. It was really good. And Next I thing you know, you got a wheel. And the, yeah, and they were like, "We've got a wheel fuck coming out for you." I was like, "Why?" Like, was no that an impression of them? Did you do the accent? Nah. Can you do the accent? Nah. Oh, Love that. But they're cool dudes, like Roman. Austrian, aren't they? Yeah, right, Roman. Didn't they have um, Blackwell on there yeah, for, yeah, for a minute? Yeah, they had a rad team. Like, there were a lot of good Euro dudes on there. Yeah. And we we're on a couple of trips, so I knew Roman, who owns that, through Quick, because he used to be at Marseille. He's a good, good all-round skateboarder. Known him for, like on and off for a long time. And um, uh, Blackwell said he was going on a trip. And I said, find out whether they're going to the pool. Because there's a pool in the Austrian Alps. I think Ch Childress had a photo uh, in there, in Thrasher. And it's epic. Like, it's a proper pool with the, with the Austrian Alps behind it. It's fucking amazing. So I was like, they're going there, let me know. And he called me. He was like, we're going there. And I was like, get me on that trip. He said, Roman says, you, you should come anyway. So he said, call him. So I called him. He said, you come as special guest. So I was like, all right. So I, I literally, they were on it for like two weeks. I was like, I can't do two weeks. I'm fucking running the business. So I can't, I have a few days. Yeah. And I flew in and we went, that first spot we went to was that pool. And actually, Childress was on one of those trips with us. It was rad. There's a few Yanks. They had a real good crew, like Kevin Kowalski, mm. uh, Cody Lockwood. Yeah. All of those dudes were on it. Because um, Kevin rode for Duffs for a bit. So I sort of knew a few of them and then a, a load of good Euros, like, a like 20, 30 dudes on a trip. Mm. It was really good, you know, real fun, good skate parks, DIYs, everything. And um, the next year we went back and it goes, you've got a wheel coming out. I was like, why? I don't even ride for you. And they were like, no, we've got a sick graphic. And we we're like, it's going to be a cart with the mouth as the whole. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And then they did this, like show me the graphic. It was actually pretty cool. It's like a little guy on a boat fishing. And it's like, and it's like a. You, you know, still got like, some of those at home. I, I've actually got some being framed because I, I yeah, have got yeah. one set that, that someone's framing for me. Nice. Um, 
but yeah, so that was random. And then I've had like I had a couple of opportunities where bodies go, oh, you should do a board. And I was like, oh, I don't think anyone buys it. I don't know. I don't really need to. But then the forty guys, I was just like, I I, I I'd like that because I think it'd be rad because all the bodies you've had there is amazing. You've got some really cool dudes. I've had some really cool yeah. boards out there, and the shapes are rad, and it's a bit of a diff, different vibe, different yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I was like, this is cool. But and then I was like, I don't want one out while I can't skate. Like if I want to have a board out, I want to be able to do a little edit, shoot some photos, and go. That's fair enough. Mm. You know, I don't. I, it's not I, like for me personally, I just wouldn't want that. So I just said like, let's hold it, and then got a friend to work on the graphic, and it's is fucking sick. It looks really good. So uh, can, we I don't, sh- can we show the graphic on screen when this goes out? You might out, be or? able to. Yeah, I need to check with them. But right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay to talk about it. Okay, that's hold. But they might it. want that, that to be a mm. surprise. But, um, so when's that out? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to see a sample of it. I think there's a session with those boys next month. Yeah. Or in a couple of weeks, actually. So hopefully I'll hook up with them. Yeah, yeah. And um, see it. And then I don't know when it's coming. But it's, I'm, I'm stoked on it. The graphic's sick. It looks really good. I'm really happy with that. Yeah. But nice. yeah, it's just rad. You know, like it's, I don't know. Who fucking thought that was going to happen? But I think what they've done over there is rad. It's like they're celebrating some cool stuff. And it, they've got amazing mm. bods doing bits that you know maybe you know i think they like what you what you guys do out here and what you know dad lands and the groans brigade all of that mm. like it's, this is too good people don't want to stop do you know what i mean like when we were growing up when i was growing up you know at 19 you were too old to be a skateboarder literally in the opinion of the most of the public and now you've got 50 60 year old pro skateboarders Pro skateboarders still making yeah, some hard, money out it? of it. Not just <clears throat> industry dudes; they're literally getting paid to go skateboarding still. Mm. And people give a shit because there's loads of forty and fifty and thirty year old dudes that go, "They are the cool dudes." Basically, skateboarding is the fountain of youth. Hundred percent. It's the best thing ever. Like there's always me- someone looking up to someone older, and then them looking up to someone older. And yeah. Older. yeah. We, well, the beauty of skateboarding as well, like from my perspective, is like there aren't many sports like it. It's not really a sport. It's bigger than that, and it's more than that. It's but, an art form, dude. Yeah, but it is more <coughs> that you, you know if you're if you're good at football, you can't play football with shit people. If you're good at tennis, you can't have a good yeah. game of tennis with someone who's not very good. It is shit. Whereas when you're skateboarding, you can you can ride with someone you can skate with your who's mates. never really been good any good, and they're just trying they're just trying their best, and, and you can you can feed off it and learn yourself and get yeah. better. <clears throat> and it's like there's that's it's that's the most amazing thing about it. There's no rules to it, and there's no you don't have to be equal ability to have a good session. Yeah, yeah, which totally. is huge. I and mean, actually, you can see someone just drop in for the first time. You're like, whoa, that is gnarly. You know how hard that is. Or their first kickflip or their first dolly. You know how hard that is. Yeah, yeah. And you know how long it takes to get there. And when they do it, you're like, I'd better sort my life out. You know, I want to do something here. I want They've inspired you to do something better. You know, I think that's the beauty of skating. And that's that's not in every sport. And And also, you can rock up to any fucking country. I've done it. You've probably done it. In anywhere in the world, with a skateboard, skateboard brotherhood, and you just literally rock up, yeah. and you're like, you can stay at mine. Yeah, go here. This yeah, is the best piece of place that. in town. Yeah. There's a there's some about this yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, Amazing. You I mean, turn up anywhere. How can you do that? What else can you do that with? You don't get that in surf. 
Mm. You don't get it in snow. You don't get it in football. You don't get it any of that shit. You know, like you, it's like skateboarding is like it, there's a level playing field and it's for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're what color you are, where you what background you're from, what what you know, mm. girl, boy, whatever. It doesn't matter. No one cares. Yeah. I think once again we've got to the point where we've proved that skateboarding is the fucking best. It is, so. no doubt. I've said it a hundred times where you can you can go to any country. Like you can just head somewhere, go, not have a place to stay, and by the end of the night, best friends, lifelong friends, you'll be like, oh, I'm travelling uh, yeah. around America or the UK or Europe, and I ain't got anywhere to stay tonight. And they'll be like, oh, it's either they'll know someone or they'll know someone that knows someone, or yeah. they'll just sort you out with something. Absolutely, yeah. and I think it's, but also it's the attitude of skaters. Skaters have an acceptance attitude. It's like there is always the weird, dready dude at the skate park. There's always the guy over there doing the no complies. There's always the guy over there, you know, training. No one cares. Yeah. Just go and do your fucking thing. No one's like going, oh, judging them all. They do whatever they want. It doesn't matter. Like there's no, that, that thing is the best thing about skating. And there is a lot of acceptance in skateboarding. Mm -hmm. I mean, more, uh, more than more, nearly yeah. every other sport. Yeah, more now than ever as yeah. well. And yeah. you know what? That was amazing. As far like with the Team GB and all of that stuff, we, I was a bit involved in that, and I find it a little bit frustrating that it's obvious what you need to do with that: build bigger parks, build better parks, make it yeah, more we're, accessible. We're like twenty. Ah, oh, we're, plus we're ne you're never going to create elite athletes without elite facilities. <laughs> if you've got mediocre facilities, you're going to have mediocre athletes. It's obvious. Yeah, so like it's that, only your rare gems that can break out of that. Well, they don't even break out. Like where where are they coming from? None of them. They're none of them broken into that level, and they're not going to. You're not going to. It's impossible. Like that's why the Australians, the Brazilians, and Americans are going to capitalize oh, on mate, that because yeah. their facilities are better. That was my first time to America skating, not just a video. Yeah. Trip. Every park we turned at, just seeing the locals that are nobodies that don't not ever make the films. That their <coughs> their standard is better than our spot like some of 100%, our sponsors. It opened my eyes to being like, fucking hell, we're lacking miles away. Yeah, but we have been for such a long time. Yeah, we always will be until you start building big stuff mm. and not just patting everyone on the back for being mediocre. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. That was what I, my 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 uh, theory and my thought process with our skating, me, Ben, Carl, lot, our crew. <coughs> it's like, don't look at England. Don't look at Britain. Look at the world. Hmm. And then go, well, how, wh where are you at? Like, what level do you want to be skating at? Like, I learned that from when I was in Marseille. I'm like, that's where I need to be. Yeah. I need to try and get there. You it's know? funny how that trip to Marseille kind of, you know, just adjust, adjust it. adjusted your tra trajectory. Of whole life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, is that it's like, like, like the, that's what I'm saying. It's like random things mm. and being open. And that that's part of being a skateboarder. Mm. Like, buying the magazine to make me go snowboarding. Like Justin Anderson has no idea he changed my life because he had the cover of that. I never saw him again. Mm. My, my whole di life direction changed because of that mag. And then Marseille changed it again, you know? And then like every step. Catching uh, that big motherfucker changed oh, that, it even more. Just put a smile on my face. It didn't really change my life that one, but it did, it finished me over that lake. So that was the main thing. But yeah, I think it's just so, um, interesting that, that, that you look at skating. I mean, look, we're fucking here. He, he, when we met each other, you wouldn't go, oh, like 15 years later, we're going to be chatting shit about skateboarding still, and you're doing this, 
you know, influencing the next generation of skateboarding. Called a sneakers. There you are. I think everyone's got influence in someone else's life if they know it. Absolutely. Because at the at the video, at the video prem, and then at the Dadlands stuff, I said to Toby like, there, it was a range of like 16, 17, 18 to even like 40s and 50s at a video prem I did, or like at the Roller Snakes events that come up and they're like, "Can we get a picture?" And I'm like, "Fuck, do you want a picture with me for? What have I done?" But yeah, as time goes on, you just realise that. In, you've you've got importance to every. Other what you're doing you is doing know. something. That's what I mean. And whilst you, you're doing something, you're doing that's something. inspirational to make other people do something. Yeah. That's all you can do. I mean, it's that the, the whole attitude that a lot of skaters have had, especially from like the people who started in the eighties. Like, what year was it? 86, 87. Yeah. So I started eighty eight. That kind of you got to do it yourself because there's no ramps anywhere. Absolutely. So you're going to have to build it. Yeah. If you want to go skiing, you're going to have to get there. Yeah. You know? You're not spoiled for choice. Yeah, exactly. And like also, kids now you are. go there and stay there all day. Yeah. And you yeah. Now it's like, now it's like, oh, this is lame. Let's go next one. It's yeah. 20 minutes drive. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you but used like, to rock up there, get off the train and spend half an hour getting there. Yeah, survive on a pound. Yeah. Just to buy the shit food. Absolutely. But like, that attitude, I think, has probably served us quite well. Yeah. Because it's that DIY. Yeah. And resilience. Like, and also, people weren't accepting the skateboarding. Yeah. You were the scum. Literally, you are scum. <laughs> no one even cared. I mean, some still are. Mm. But. What have I done? Nothing. It's your I influence, Tobe. But I think even even when I were growing up, like I got into skating like 2002. And that was still on the tail end. If you go down the street and blokes outside of a pub would like, like spit it. Yeah. Yeah. Throw like beer bottles or something at you. You don't get that now. No. I've not seen that. No. Like, I can skate through anywhere and you don't even hear like yeah. fucking no, bit it's acceptable. You, mate. Yeah. Like you just go from A to B and yeah. you don't get any shit. Whereas before you'd avoid certain bits of a city centre because you knew that there were yeah, yeah, absolutely. There like yeah. kick balls at you or something yeah. or like throw something at you. Yeah, I know. It's a completely different world out there. Yeah. It's with the acceptable yes or like the acceptability of skateboarding yeah yeah definitely. but that's his rad what actually what was really good about the olympics is i was like i don't know whether it fits i get why they the olympics want skateboarding more than skateboarding needs the olympics that's for sure but i was just like i don't really quite i don't know whether it's going to be good or bad but then when it actually happened um i was like what, what? are you pointing at he's, he's trying to get me to get close to the mic i've got to go Penis yeah. length away, apparently. <laughs> if you're lucky. That's long, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm going to judge off mine now. I've had it reduced. But um, <laughs> How was the reduction? Yeah, Thanks for that, by bit, the way. That really helped me out. Bit painful, but I got over it. I was yeah. fed up of dragging it around. I kept getting a scab on the end of it. Oh, but um, There's only so much Savlon can do, exactly. right? Exactly. <clears throat> Sudocrem. A bucket of it. But um, Come yeah, on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we, I knew we would go off on a tangent at some point. <laughs> Uh, I thought we'd done quite well there. About four and a half hours in, we've only gone off on a couple. But yeah, with the with the Olympics, just the way it came across mm. was like that is skateboarding. It's where, yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's on a curb with your mates on a Sunday morning, mini ramp with a few you know bods who don't even know each other, or the best dudes in the world. When someone has it, they're all congratulating each other. Yeah, there yeah, is yeah. no winner. Everyone yeah, yeah. wins when that when it goes down. Everyone gets it. Everyone yeah, appreciates yeah. that. Yeah. When someone's when, not, when someone's operating on that level, or, uh, no one's sitting there going, "Oh fuck, 
yeah. you know, oh, they beat me. Like, no, it's not that, Apart is from it? Niger. Yeah, but even him. And Letitia. But, like, even that is sort of a bit more... Yeah, I know what you're it's saying. It's such a minimal amount of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, the average Joe Bloggs goes, whoa, these yeah. bods are all cheering each other. They're fucking picking up the winner and carrying him around or her mm, around. Yeah. Like, that don't happen in gymnastics. They're all going off in a sulk. Sit on you know, the podium separately. Like. Yeah, they don't want to... They're not there. You know, it, it transcended the Olympics, skateboarding. Yeah. And that is exactly what it should do because it's better than the Olympics. It is more than that, and it's not those things. But to see it in real life, in my lifetime, was like I grew up when it was like, you know, you're an absolute wanker if you go skateboarding. And now it's on TV, and everyone's like, oh, skateboarding's cool, you know, like it's mm. like they accept it. It's an acceptable thing for their kids to do now. It's it's mad, isn't it? Because it's wild. I mean, we we we've spoken about this before, but. It makes you so grateful that it sounds really cheesy, but so grateful that you're a skater. Mm. And it sounds really like, but it's true. Well, I always oh, think fucking the best. Amazing, yeah. I yeah. always think like if I didn't skate or I didn't film or I didn't have either of those, what was, what else would I do? Yeah, be an even I'd, bigger belly. I'd be like sitting on the estate that I grew up on. Like it gives you a purpose, doesn't it? Or, and also, Toby's just projecting <laughs> on me all the time. Oh, it would be true, wouldn't it? What would Ford do if he didn't find skating? Or I'd probably stick to robbing and fighting. Yeah. Who what knows? would you do? Well, you'd be a builder, wouldn't you? I was. You'd be down the gym every single day. Be a snowboarder. Uh, I no, don't know. No, wouldn't I, I wouldn't it. probably found it, would I? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't want to think. No, I know this is the thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's, so, it's, it's shaped so me as a person yeah. so much, and like all like my. And you look at everyone you know. I would say the. Um, you know, I'm not speaking on your behalf, but the majority of you people you know and hang out with, you've met through skating over the years. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it's mad, well, kind of. You, you, know, you can, you can work mad? it back, can't you? you? What is mad, what I find really, like, it's funny, I, speak about, I spoke about this the other day, is that um, I identify as a skateboarder, like, fully. Like, I've been running my own businesses for, like, 15 years. Yeah. I've been a snowboarder, blah, blah, blah. If, if someone meets me and they say, oh, what do you do? I'm a skateboarder. Mm. I'm not a fucking skateboarder. Well, I am a skateboarder, but in my head, that's who I am. I am a skateboarder, number one, and then I run businesses. Yeah. I've got different brands. I've got, I do other shit, but I'm a skateboarder. That is how I introduce myself, is how I see myself when I'm 53 years old. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It Push is who up. I am. Do you know what I mean? But like yeah. it, most people, if you were a footballer and said that, and you were just like a, you know, you even if you were a former professional footballer, you wouldn't go, I'm a footballer. You just wouldn't. You don't, they're just like, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I used to do that. But it's like, oh, no, I am that. That's yeah. who I am. This is who we are. You know what I mean? I, I find that really fascinating because not many mm. people, it's like not many people identify with the thing that they do and they love. Do you not it's identify as uh, a carp hunter? Uh, you part time, part time. Yeah. You know, I find a skateboarder, funny as well is stroke carp hunter. Yeah. Other people in sports, like say, like tennis players that have <coughs> retired, probably don't do it in their spare time anymore because yeah. they're retired. Yeah, they that's just, it. Like, they knock They the just head. give up, mm. or they're like, "I'm a retired footballer, yeah. but I don't play football anymore." But I feel Does like Heath Kirchhoff still skate. We've skate. He's, he's a different he, animal, though, isn't he? Yeah. I think Heath Kirchhoff probably does still skate. Yeah, he does. At times, yeah. 
But that's the thing, like, if you're a skateboarder... He doesn't need to, to be fair. He's had more influence than anyone who will ever have in, in, in that world. Did you see that? I just burped and dribbled a little bit. It's great. That's a sign of age, isn't it? But if um, you're a skateboarder, you can be like, pro, he's not pro. professional, this guy. Pro, really, not pro. I'm really enjoying it. Can you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, you can go on and off can being pro. Can we get pro. An, another ten a man? So I think you might fill this one up. You can, <laughs> right, listen. But you can, you can be on and off being pro or Basically. not and sponsored, but you'll still skate if you're pro or not. Absolutely. But anyway, that was the that was a great episode. We will see you soon. <laughs> no. Cre- roll the credits. No. Oh, don't do that. Listen. Yeah. No. Hard post. Let's no. do a soft ending no. as well. Listen. Um, a flaccid ending. You know, this, this episode was exactly as I thought it was going to be. What we needed as you, well, yeah. Just going into uh, great detail about stuff, and it's amazing. So, well done. Round of applause. Sorry and it went on so long. No, it's all right. We'll cut a load no, of it down. Be no, five minutes. Like, it's going to be a five-minute episode. Let's, just, um, keep, let's <laughs> just keep it as long as we can because that's what you want to hear. But what we've worked out is, again, skating is the best. A hundred percent. So hmm. everyone else can get fucked. Well, there you go. Toby's Cheers. Roll the theme tune. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That was Cheers, it. Dude. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. I started losing the will to live Saturday. You know when you've been sat down Toby's just rolled. Toby's lost the uh, will to live. Yeah, that's good because we can... There's there's an ending there. What a rat... That'll be well good anyway. He's like, I've lost the will to live. Roll the credits. Bang. (laughs) 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 (laughs